I think he's trying to put it in her navel, mother. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. Kids today with their newfangled sex. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Welcome to episode, I guess, 99.5 of the Civi Podcast. That in-betweener, guys, because we couldn't schedule it correctly. That's okay, we're going to get it done. But uh, I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with us today in the afternoon is Jamie. Hello! <laughs> How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing fine. I was actually reaching for something. I wasn't expecting you to call on me first, so I was all, I was out of whack. But I'm doing well, thank you. That's great. And with us is X. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Hi, everybody. I'm anxious to talk about both of these movies, maybe one more than the other. Fair enough. And Suzanne is here. How you doing, Suzanne? Hey, Gary. I'm doing well today. Thanks. That's good. Um, yeah, same when we start the show every time, because I'm boring as shit, is uh, I'm going to ask Suzanne what she's been watching. Oh, wow. Well, I watched these two movies. Um, God, I've been all over the map. I watched Rollerball this week. And, oh, God, I am hooked on 911 on Fox. I just can't seem to get enough of that show. And, yeah, just mostly some TV shows. I've been watching The Frozen Dead on Netflix. Yeah, that's pretty much about it. Okay, Jamie. A lot. Um, you guys know about the us going through our whole collection deal, and so that's been keeping me rather busy. So far, including the movie I just saw today, uh, which uh, I guess most notably uh, recently, I just got back from seeing The Shape of Water, and that was beautiful and amazing, and I loved it. Um, but that brings me to 79 Films, starting from January 1st. So I have been watching a lot. And um, lately we've been doing uh, our first, we got past all the documentaries and now we're doing our first 50 pack. And it's, you know, 50 horror classics. So it's a bunch of, most of them not very good, old black and white horror films. Um, And the thing about those, uh, the good thing about those is they're mostly about an hour long give or take, so you can run through a bunch of them at a time, uh, which is a good thing. And I actually found a film that I had never seen before, and I was pleasantly surprised. It's called Bloodlust, and it's uh, Mike Brady, uh, Robert Reed is in that film, and also the the Mother Superior from Silent Night, Deadly Night as a young thing wearing a bathing suit. 
And that was that was pretty fun. I mean, it's basically a version of the most dangerous game. And uh, this these four kids land on an island and that is run by Higgins from not really, but I kept calling him not quite Higgins from and I was like, when's Magnum coming home? Um, and he likes to trap people and then chase them around the jungle and kill them. So uh, it was I was really impressed, mainly because the lead female character, one of the young girls, was really smart and tough and she single-handedly took out a guard and just beat the crap out of him and threw him in a vat of acid. And I was like, you go, girl. Jesus, this movie was like from 1961, I think. And I was really impressed with her. She wasn't, she did, you know, the other girl that, that was with them just sort of stood in the corner and screamed the whole time. But that's, you know, what you saw a lot of in those early films. And so she really... Uh, I don't know, she was refreshing and I was like rooting for her, like cheering loudly for her because she was great. So that was fun. And that's a movie I likely would never have seen if we hadn't, you know, done this whole experiment where we're going through all of these movies. And, um, you know, on the other end of that, we watched Beast of Yucca Flats, which, oh, shit, <laughs> that, that movie's bad. Yeah, that's some good like, schlock really, right there. Really, yeah, really, I think I've got really. that same movie pack. Oh yeah? Um, yeah. So yeah. So you know, there are some good ones and there are some not so good ones. Uh, but you know, it's fun. And so that's pretty much what I've been doing. Hey, oh, man. we also watched Wind River the other night. Which, wow! Oh my god, that is so good. I know. I, I did not expect it to be that. I honestly didn't even know that much about it. Like I didn't know Jeremy Renner was in it. I didn't know that John Barenthal was in it. I I didn't know that Elizabeth Olsen was in it. I didn't have a clue. And so Brian was just like, hey, it's a murder mystery, you know, murder thing. Come, you know, let's watch this. And I was like, okay. And I was blown away. Like, it was yeah. brutal and, and really good. And that shootout scene, holy crap. I just, um, yeah. I mean, so we've seen some really good movies lately. You're right about the brain that wouldn't die thing, by the way. That is totally, <laughs> Stuart Gordon was watching that, that, um, that movie for sure back in the right? day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no cut to linguist in that movie, but you know, it, it, it's a, it, it, it happens certain times with seven heads, I guess. And not, yeah, that's a movie that my best friend and I used to share. And when he's driving around the city looking for women to pick up to get a body for Jan, um, and we call the movie lovingly Jan in the Pan. <laughs> and um, when. Like, there's a scene where he's driving around the city looking at all these women walking down the street. And, you know, at the first time we watched it together, there's a woman that's walking and she's like, don't pick her. Her butt's too long. And so now every time I watch that movie, I say that. And so I said it this time and Brian's like, what? <laughs> like, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I saw that for the first time on, uh, well, local hero and now national hero, uh, Sven Gulli's show. Because everybody gets to watch Sven Gulli now if you have MeTV. It's a, he's available, people, you know. He's showing ants this Saturday night. I'm going to be tuning in for that. X knows I'm you talking say about. say he's showing ass this ants, Saturday night? Ants, ants. Oh, ants, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a totally different show. Nobody wants to see <laughs> wow. Steve's ass. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do, you know. Uh, that's what they do at Dunnenberg one, I guess. Uh, X, what'd you watch, man? 
a lot of shit besides the usual, but I'll hit some high points and low points. The biggest low point is the Centerfold Girls from 1974. And as much as I love Andrew Prine, this movie is just vile. Even by 70s standards, it's just terrible. It just, it feels like three different movies kind of slapped together. And the only thing that connects them is that Andrew Prine is the killer. But there's a lot of, you know, if, if you're into rape without revenge and killers with really vague motives and those weird 70s torpedo tits, then maybe this is the flick for you. But I just thought it was really mean-spirited and I didn't dig it. But my high point for a long, well, uh, I really, there's a movie called The House Next Door, which is on Netflix, and it is a Hindi horror movie. It's not exactly Bollywood, even though there are songs in it, but there's not like any, you know, all of a sudden we're dancing in the middle of the street, nothing like that. So no dance numbers, but that's some creepy shit. It's really good. It's like this great combo of Insidious and The Ring and The Exorcist. But even with all of those really obvious influences, it ends up feeling like something really original. And it's amazing. So I really recommend that highly. Um, yeah, you got to watch subtitles. But for some reason, half the things they say are in English anyway. I don't understand why that is in Hindi films. But it is. So that's great. That's on Netflix. Give that a shot. Um, Apocalypse Cult on Amazon Prime is really good. Guess what that's about? Mmm. I don't yeah. know. It's probably about our Apocalypse Cult. So check that out. And also, I enjoyed this thing called The Orange Man. Have you heard of this? Mm. No. The Orange Man, it's not about Trump. I know that's the obvious joke, but it's <laughs> not. Um, the reason this movie is interesting as a horror film is because there's not a single young person in it. It's all like middle-aged dudes being stalked by a killer who kills people uh, with oranges. So that's weird. Um, but So he's the Cesar Romero of killers then? You know? Kind of, sort of, yeah. He, like, he beans this one woman in the head and she falls out of a boat and drowns. If you don't get that joke, listen to Gilbert <laughs> Godfrey's podcast. Because you always go back to the same Cesar Romero story. I like him throwing orange slices at some dude's asshole, okay? And that's uh, that's where the Cesar Romero joke came from. So you're welcome, people, okay? Picture that. I don't want to. <laughs> but, but thanks, because now I am. Um, I guess that's, that's pretty much it, except for Kung Fu from Beyond the Grave, which may be the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that sounds like, that sounds like 2 jig minimum good material. I don't know, but did check it out. <laughs> so, so good. <laughs> I'll have to look for that, sir. You said there's, there's two different versions of the movie or something like that you are mentioning? I think it's. I think there are, but I don't know. Now I'm getting conflicting information. Like it may be two different films because there's Kung Fu Zombie, and then there's Kung Fu from Beyond the Grave, and they both have the same dude in them, Billy Chong. So I watch Kung Fu from Beyond the Grave. I'll check out Kung Fu Zombie and see if it's different. Gotcha. Uh, me, uh, I saw the Disaster Artist, which I was looking forward to seeing because I'm a, I'm a James Franco and a Dave Franco guy, and I didn't like it very much. I, I I've never seen the room, and uh, aw, what? Don't say aw, because I don't think I want to watch it now. For if they're watching that movie, because it, it's it's something weird about Tommy Wiseau to me. Like, is he a torture genius or is he just an asshole? And I hate being conflicted like that. And it, it really shows in this movie. 
you know, Franco's portrayal of, of Wazo in this movie is is he that tortured genius or is he the asshole? Is this somebody that I, I could be invested in emotionally and say, you know what, I'll sit down and watch the room even though I know it's gonna be bad. I, I don't think I want to now. <laughs> it's just just there, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it has a big cast in of of comedy people and Dave Franco has a beard in that movie, which is kind of amazing. Because I guess the guy, the actor in the film, had a beard at one point. And, um, it looks good on him. And, um, yeah, Disastros. Like, like, like one of the films we're going to talk about tonight is probably going to be, much like The Room, is going to be torn, tear the community right down the middle, I think. But <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll leave it at that. Um, it was cold outside, so I watched Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Just to say, hey, I want to watch something where it's warm. And, you know, I'm weird like that. It was like a fiver on Voodoo, so I said, sold. You know, that, that, there you go. And, um, besides that, a lot of TV. I was catching up a lot, a lot of TV. Uh, DCU stuff, of course. That That's that's where it's at right now. So even Arrow's getting good again. And I Arrow can get pretty tedious and boring sometimes. But it, it uh... I think it's probably the weakest show in the thing, but not right now because it's, it's heating up again. Right back to Supergirl again being the weakest one. Sorry, Willis, I can't get into it. But um, I caught up with Supernatural as well because that's a uh, that's my jam. I've been in there for 13 seasons now, and from what I hear from uh, Ruth O'Connell, who plays Rowena on the on the show, who died at the end of the last season, she's coming back on Thursday night. People, mm-hmm. I'm very excited. I don't it just spoil- blows my mind that show is still going. It's it's still relevant. It's still it's still good. I don't spoil- I've never watched a single episode. It's not just you know man, you know girls crushing on these two dudes. I, I really enjoy the show. It, it, content and it surprises me too. I also am crushing on those two dudes. Yeah, well, <laughs> they they are handsome. You know, beautiful beautiful men. <laughs> just one of them for me. I've never been a Padalecki fan. He's he's got that he's got that kind of long horse face, but when his hair balances it out, it's okay. <laughs> Leave it to me though to to go after the gay one. So that's, yeah, I that's just, pretty I, much how that works. For me. I just can't get over whenever I see him. All I think of is the Gilmore Girls. Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. I think the other one was on Dawson's Creek at one point in time. I never watched that program, but. Oh, I don't remember him being. He might have been, but I was a Dawson's Creek watcher. But people tell me oh. that One Tree Hill, one of those one of those shows where white folks have problems that he can't kill it with salt or fire, which you know. <laughs> which one was sh- in the Friday the Thirteenth remake, and the other was in the My Bloody Valentine remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of those two, I prefer the My Bloody Valentine remake. That's because you're human, and that has nothing to do with the actors, but it just worked out that way. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't stand Gilmore Girls. That was just, I don't they got on my nerves. And oh, yeah, I, my friend was really into it. So I'm like, yeah, I'll watch some of it. So it's like, I would watch one episode. I'm like, well, I'll watch one more. Maybe it'll get better. Oh, so I watched the entire run and a year in a life waiting for it to get better. My, my favorite moment in Gilmore Girls history has nothing to do with the Gilmore Girls episode. It was when they had that show Supergroup on VH1, and Sebastian Bach was trying to make Ted Nugent and the boys watch Gilmore Girls. He was getting really excited when he was coming on screen, you know? <laughs> it's like, they had no interest whatsoever watching the Gilmore Girls. He's like, but look, I'm on TV, guys, look, just look, you know? 
Shut up, Baz. You're you're uh, not 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 that Baz, but they call him Baz as well, I guess. But um, he's got a lot of stuff in his face. It's kind of weird. Sorry, Sebastian Buck. I still love Skid Row. But <laughs> yeah, I know. I do too. I just I have my hair moments. Oh, but yeah, that's coming. That 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 great Scooby Doo Supernatural crossovers coming that I know I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna know and love. You know that that's a. Yeah. Is it going to be like when Don Knotts or Jonathan Winters was on Scooby-Doo? Because I, I'd be down know, with that. But it's going to be animated the whole episode. So. Or Don Adams, even. Oh, I mean, Don any Adams of those. Was I always loved those crossover, or rather those guest spot episodes. Well, those are the new Scooby-Doo movies, right? That's what they call <laughs> those? Where they have, like, the Adams family oh. on there and shit? Yeah, Phyllis oh, I Diller. I don't know. I just remember they were two episodes long. Yep. And uh, so maybe so, but I remember if it was always a to be continued if it came on. And I had always loved the Jonathan Winters one and uh, specific, I mean, like more than any of the other ones. I just, I don't know why I had a soft spot for that one. Like oh, the and the Josie and the Pussycats. One. The Josie and the Pussycats was awesome because I used to, to like pair them off. Like, okay, this is the Daphne and this is the Fred and, the, and you know, like pair them off together and. I was a weird child, I guess. I don't no, know. that's okay. <laughs> now, when I was a kid, I used to put my tape recorder up to the television so I could record them and listen to them again. I actually had, I have somewhere on tape a Scooby-Doo episode, and it's one of the ones with Scrappy-Doo because I was one of the four people who loved <laughs> Scrappy-Doo. And... I don't know. He just—I just thought he was the cutest thing. So somewhere on audio tape, somewhere I have a Scooby Doo episode. No, no, I love in those movies. That now I think my my childhood was my my childhood and bonerdom was realized when Sarah Michelle Gellar played Daphne and Christina Ricci played Trixie in that Speed Racer movie. But um, yeah, that that was the thing. But I love how James Gunn wrote Scrappy Doo in, like he knows like ninety percent of the population hate him, so why not make him the villain? Spoilers if you guys haven't seen that movie. I think they're pretty brilliantly written. But uh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Besides that, I, I haven't watched much else. Um, it's kind of hard to remember. We, we haven't recorded in a while, but um, there, there's there's stuff out there that I'm sure I have viewed. Uh, Separatistic minimum. Then we we watched verses for that. Which if you guys haven't seen verses, that's a uh, Bat shit yeah. insane. Bat shit insane. That's the best way to describe it. It's an amazing film. We actually watched that uh, for uh, Halloween during our passport to Halloween when we were watching all foreign films. Nice. Also, the Corpse Grinders, which is you know oh, still I think very very funny. But you know, yeah, listen to the two minute commentaries. It's there. Um, eventually, probably the week after this comes out. Yeah, we watched Alligator last night. And watched that as well, yeah. Which I know Jamie's probably a fan of, the Alligator. Yay! Probably. I love it. That was my pick for the A episode of ABCs. Yes, it was. I remember I love that movie. That swimming pool scene haunted me for years. It was very difficult for me to get into a swimming pool at night after watching that movie. Uh, oh, I've got to add one more thing I forgot about because I thought it was fantastic. It was called A Futile and Stupid Gesture. It's I on watched Netflix. that too. Well, I mean, I, I watched the documentary on the National Lampoon and how basically everybody migrated over to Saturday Night Live. And this is based on Doug Kenny's life starting at Harvard. 
And it's I'm not a big fan of Will Forte, but he was perfect. He was, but I, I prefer the was, documentary actually compared to that movie. I they I know they took liberties, but I just really enjoyed it. Almost as much as the documentary. It's good though. Thomas Lennon's in there, and uh, it's, it's got a lot of great, great comedy people in that that uh, particular movie. Yeah, and Natasha Lyon. Yeah, people, people take or leave her. Uh, I'm one of those people that that uh, that enjoy like her, her stuff. Yeah, I don't enjoy all of her stuff. But I enjoy, I enjoy most of her stuff. I've always liked her too. Um, what was her big break? Oh, Slums of Beverly Hills. Yeah, was... buddy, that's a good one. And I loved that movie. So I've been a fan of hers ever since. And she, did, she, for years after that, she would just kind of randomly pop up as, you know, other high school student in teen movies and stuff. And she just would be randomly there. But I was always, she was always, I was like, oh, whenever I saw her. Because oh, I like her. We're going to do that one day. But Ar- Arkin makes that movie for me. Him and, um, him and Crumholtz make that movie for me. I'm your father. I'm your father. Jackson, you can't call him that, Dad. What? You want a potato? You want some coleslaw? I love that shit, you know. <laughs> Look at casual racism in the seventies. You gotta gotta <laughs> love that, you know. Oh, but I'm done. I'm, um, with my my uh, watches, and we move on next to our beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. The beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Suzanne, what's your beef this week, girl? Well, I'm just, I have to admit, I'm, I think I'm just disgusted with most of the population. All of the, you know, the Nicole Eggert coming out against Scott Bayo, and that just reeks of bullshit to me. The well, Tide Pods. It is Scott Bayo after all, though. He is kind of a, kind of an ass. I don't know how long he's been an ass, but, uh, yeah. Well, I've, I've never liked him, so I really don't care, but... She was on his show talking about what a great boyfriend he was. And now all of a sudden her tune is completely changed. And we can talk about the Tide Pods. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this is just a new brand of stupid. And I, you know what? I think we should just leave everything as it is and let nature take its course. If That's you what die, I said. If you die eating Tide Pods, you've done the world a favor. Yeah, so I don't want reproduce. you procreating. Yes, thank you. Remove Get out of my gene from... pool. Thank you. Do, do Tide Pods make you sterile? I don't know. They didn't mention that that happens yet, but I'd imagine your insides are nice and clean after all that. Yeah. You know, I was suggesting that maybe some Drano lines next. I think that'd be a logical <laughs> next step. Well, why don't we just start? We'll get together and we'll make some YouTube videos to plant surreptitiously that they that the dumb ones can come across and then do stuff and um like did it has anyone seen that meme where it's like there's like a, a boiling pot of oil with like some chicken and and it's like add a cup of cold water to boiling oil to make it cook faster <laughs> and it's right up there with the, you know, put your iPhone in the microwave. Like, I'm wondering, has has anyone done this? And, you know, oh, wow, yeah, if they have. people did. Uh, well, I know they did the microphone thing, uh, microphone, microwave thing. But I'm wondering how many people have added a cup of cold water to their boiling oil. 
um, in order to increase the cook time. I'm sure they're probably not among us anymore if they were dumb enough to do that. But it's just, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like these are just sort of, um, I don't know, they're little test markers for, (laughs) test markers for breeding. Test marker! (laughs) If you can't make it past this, then you don't need to breed. (laughs) Or breathe. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's really, I'll go it's, along with that too. It's really Darwinism at, at its finest. It's just it's just natural selection, you know. And I'm okay ah. with that. If you're not a toddler you know? and you're eating Tide Pod, you shouldn't have children. It's that simple, you know. At least, at least the toddlers who do like, oh, it's it's colorful and pretty. Let me put it in my mouth because I'm a toddler, you know. Well, they actually went out of their way even before all this happened. They went out of their way to make them taste bad. So that even toddlers wouldn't do it. And yet now we have people, and they're still doing it, even after it's been all over the news, even after people have, you know, gotten sick and people have died. They're still doing it. We need like I saw, I saw another one the other day, and I'm like, what the fuck? How? <laughs> really? We need one of those PSAs like that bald guy made at the end of Mr. Mom about the tuna fish, you know. Do, 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 we're doing one of those. And at this point, they are beyond plausible deniability. Like, they cannot say, I didn't know at this point. Now you're just being willfully stupid. These are kids that grew up without G.I. Joe, so I, 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 gotta, I gotta put fault there. Because I'm sure if G.I. Joe was still a thing, they would have done a PSA about Tide Pods by now. I don't think G.I. Joe would even have... They wouldn't have had to stoop that low for us. I don't know any anyone in my generation who would be dumb enough to do that. I agree. Hey, Billy, you want to try this new thing or how the kids are doing? Roblox like, no, children. It sounds like Chef from South Park and shit, you know? <laughs> now, I say that after we had those two kids jump off the roof and try to fly after watching Beavis and Butthead. So, hey, whatever. I mean, there are some in every age group, of course. But I, it just, this it's rampant. And I mean, there are just so many. And, of course, now we have the internet so you know, there's all these excuses and stuff, but I really just say I'm with you. If they're dumb enough to do it, let them do it. Get out of my gene pool. I don't want you here anyway, and I have no sympathy. I just, eh. you know what I mean, whatsoever. it's like Jeff Foxworthy said when, like, he's like when we were kids and they had like the 900 pound TVs on a TV tray. If you pulled that over on top of yourself, your parents' response was, "Well, won't do that again, will you?" And yep. that's about right. You got to learn from this shit. What's What's Carlin say? Uh, the kid who swallows too many marbles is a grown up kids of their own. You know, S- something like that. Swallows too much something. He says, "I forget the, the exact quote, but it was very poignant and hilarious." But uh. <laughs> Oh, anything else, Sue? Uh, no, that's pretty much my bitch of the week. Fair enough. X! You know me, I got nothing. <laughs> you know me, I got nothing. Jamie. I'm not a bitcher. <laughs> Jamie. Don't you mansplain to me. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, no, I was... Pretending to mansplain. He was going to pretend to mansplain, I which I know. told you. I don't you, know how to do it. <laughs> you, I don't, well, of course you don't know how to do it because you would never do it because, yeah, I, I kind of blew my mind when you're like, please tell me if I'm ever doing that. No, you will never do that because you are, you are a decent human being. Um, 
and you you respect other human beings, you know. Um, but like I said, just I can't stand the term anyway. Assholes are assholes regardless of gender, so I don't think we need gender-specific terms for assholishness. No. Um, as for me, I had one yesterday. I did. I was Something had pissed me off so bad, I was grumbling and stomping around the house, and I was like, well, that's it. I got something for beef. <laughs> and now I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> so I guess it wasn't all that bad. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm... For the most part, I'm doing okay. I'm just kind of watching movies and keeping to myself. And, um, you know, a new job. And now I'm back in the restaurant biz, which for the most part is okay. This is a like a high-end steakhouse that I'm working in. And so you make good money. And for the, I'm not fighting tooth and nail with the cooks like I were, like, because these people actually give a damn about the food they're putting out. Um, but I gotta tell you, some of these more elderly customers, they might end up getting punched in the face. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but someone at some point might just punch them in the face because they're, they drive me nuts with their, I'm not going to, I don't want to pay any extra, but how can I get this without paying extra? Well, ma'am, it's extra. So you, you kind of can't, well, I don't want to pay extra. But I want it. Well, I, you know, don't know what to tell you. You got Well, I'm not paying extra, but this is what I want. Okay, you lady. Sit down and watch some porn with them. <laughs> no! Um, actually, these are the type of people that I'd be okay with their discomfort in, in, <laughs> in those situations. I would snicker to myself and go, that's what you get. Um, you know, like I had a conversation with this lady the other day. She's like, I want, I want extra or no i want grilled onions on top of my steak well obviously if the steak doesn't come with grilled onions and then you add grilled onions adding something means you're adding something so then um and we're talking about adding something for uh, about 75 cents so when i gave her her bill what's this grilled onion charge ma'am those are the onions that you requested that i add to the top of your steak well i didn't like them Well, you ate them. You ate them, exactly. You ate them, and one of the numerous times I came over here to see how you were, you never once complained. So, suck it up. Um, We also have all-you-can-eat crab on, like, Sundays and Mondays, and it's all-you-can-eat up to three pounds because crab's expensive. So, um, but three pounds is a lot of crab, and... (laughs) I caught this guy, I swear to God, I, and I, I couldn't prove it, so I couldn't say anything, but I swear he was stuffing crab into his jacket. <laughs> and then he asked me if he could have a to-go box. And I said, no, sir, you can't take, you can't take it with you when it's all you can eat. That's not how it works. And he said, well, I just want to take my salad home. I didn't have room for my salad. And I said, oh, okay. So I took it from him and I packed it up and then I tied it up in a bag and I left it on the station until he was done with all his crab. And then I took everything away and brought his bag back. And then he was kind of miffed about that. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I thwart your plans? (laughs) Well, you know, it's like the late great Rick Dukeman said in the film Blank Check. It doesn't say all you can eat here. So it didn't see around in the sign all you can eat here. So 
he lines his his his, his jacket pocket with with little baggies for them hot wings. So oh Jesus! Now it it actually says all you can eat up to three pounds, and this is what's so funny is the woman that was with him goes. Now, but you guys used to have all-you-can-eat, period. Why did you stop that? And I'm thinking, gee, I wonder. Um, and, and I said, well, I don't know. That's, because, that's before I was here. She's like, oh, well, anything we don't eat, we can take with us, right? And I'm thinking, so on one – now, first you're complaining because you don't feel like three pounds is enough. Now you're telling me you know ahead of time you're not going to eat all of that. So can you take with you, with you what you don't eat? So which is it? And so that tells me right there – you people are used to coming in here and lining your jackets <laughs> with crap All you can stuff in your urine-stained, pleated khakis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pat and I went you out to dinner the other night. Don't challenge these people. <laughs> It'll and be like the guy in Slums of Beverly Hills where he's got the stakes tied around his thighs. Oh, yeah. I'm your father, for sure, you know. But there is... a. a I don't think they were elderly, maybe more middle-aged, but oh my God, they scrutinized that bill for about 10 minutes. I mean, they put the big thick glasses on and were ticking off everything that was on their check. Oh yeah. Wow. I mean, and you know, I understand to an extent, I mean, people do make mistakes, you know, and you know, you want to glance at the bill and make sure you're not paying for something that you didn't get, but they're like, and what does this mean? And what is this for? And what is the? And I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. These are the ones that like their steaks well done with ketchup. These, these people. Oh yeah, yeah. So she and her husband, the woman, she ordered. They ordered ribs. The the same table as the grilled onions people. Um, they ordered ribs, but they wanted an extra rib because it comes with an uneven number. So they wanted an extra bone so it would be an even number. And oh. then she's like, I don't want a plate. Because if you, there's an extra charge to split a plate. And but what that but that extra charge, in it's $3. And it includes an extra soup or salad. So each person can have their own soup or salad. Um, plus, they split it for you in the kitchen. So it comes out on two separate plates. And so... I'm like, well, there is an additional charge to split. Well, I don't want to play. I don't want to pay that split charge. Well, ma'am, then I can't split it for you if you don't want to pay the split charge because that's. And I said it does come with an additional soup or salad, so you get your soup or salad for each of you, and then you also get the vegetable that comes with it. And well, I don't want to do that. How can I not do that? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, I said, okay, if you don't want to get a vegetable, I can give you both soup or salad, and then you'll just have to split it yourself. I'll bring you an extra plate, and you're splitting it yourself. And Because uh, I'm not about to do it for you if you're being that fucking cheap. So she's she's like, um, okay, well, we'll do that. Are you sure? Yes. Now, you understand you don't get a vegetable with that. You get soup and salad. Yes, ma'am. I, I, you're, okay, okay. So I bring them soup and salad. And then when I bring the rest of the food out, they get a plate of ribs. And she's like, well, where's my potato? I wanted a sweet potato. And I said, ma'am, one, you didn't order a sweet potato. You didn't even mention sweet potato to me. But also, you didn't want to pay the split charge. So I gave each of you a super salad. So you don't get another side. Well, everybody else did. Yeah, because they paid for it. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I mean, just... Uh. So this was all one table, too. So... Yeah, yeah. Most of them aren't like that, though. Yeah. I'm done. 
Yeah, that was my. It was just my last table of the night too, and I just was. <laughs> I was so ready to be done. When I worked in a steakhouse, we had a guy who would come in once a week, every Thursday, and he wanted his steak run through the dishwasher. Huh? What? Are you serious? Why? He didn't want it cooked. He just wanted it run through the dishwasher. I guess just so like to take parboiled. Yeah, like just to take the chill off of it. I guess. That is disgusting. It is, and he came in every week. Oh my god! And well, did your dishwasher not add soap? Because our dishwashers add soap. <laughs> I did not ask questions. I mean, yes, the Janiserv dispenser is up there. I don't know if it has a manual cutoff switch or not, but oh my, ugh. that is the most bizarre thing I have ever heard. You got me. You beat me. You win. I don't. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to compete. No, I you don't have to, to contribute. <laughs> You and don't just, have to. You win. <laughs> that's just bizarre. In all my years, I couldn't top that. That is crazy. Maybe he liked the seasoning of all the other food plates that were going through the dishwasher of the day. You know, ugh, ugh. The, the pungent flavor of all different kinds of flavors on his meat. Mm. I'll have a New York Strip Eco Lab, please. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a dirty paintbrush. <sighs> All the colors. <laughs> oh, me. I saw a story today just, just adds to the pussification of America's kids. Because Pete is up to some new shit now where they're saying that there's there's some new, there's, there's some new, well, there is a new Ninja Turtles cartoon series that is coming that I forget the name of, but it sounds promising, as do most of those shows that come out. The last one was really, really good, I thought, for Nickelodeon. And um, they think <laughs> the turtles, you know, in their infinite wisdom, should go dairy-free and, I guess, not have pizza to be healthier for the children, you know? Really? Yeah. And these are probably the same dildos that, that made the Cookie Monster not eat cookies and stuff like that. Now, me, I'm a heavy fellow, you know? And I've been heavy most of my life, and I realize why. It's because the Hostess Discount Store was right down the street from my house. And you can get you can get like a bag of fucking snack cakes and and pudding pies and donuts. Get a whole bag of shit for like five dollars. You can be flipping five dollars loose in the, in the Hostess Discount Store. I would go crazy, and I wasn't eating right as a kid, which is nobody's fault of my own and the person that gave me the money. But that's that's either either here nor there. Now to say the kids can't have pizza or sweets. Or anything. That's a decision made of a, <clears throat> by a parent. But sometimes it goes to extremes. And these dildos and PETA, who, from what I'm told, kill more animals in a year, more than many any other organization almost, uh, according to my friend Darren Wilson, who <laughs> who pointed this out to me. And, uh... Are <laughs> uh, you saying this about a cartoon show? About turtles who enjoy kicking ninjas' asses and eating pizza? You know, these are the same dildos that took the weapons out of their hands in the second movie. They said, you know what? They're not going to have weapons. And I said, okay, I'm like 10 and I don't care, but now I care. It's, it's kind of strange now, but you know, yeah, let, let, let them turtles have their pizza. They've been eating that, that pizza since like 1983, since those comic books came out. So shut the fuck up, Peter. Uh, thoughts, you know? <laughs> Any thoughts on that, guys? I don't know, man. It's just ridiculous. I don't agree with fake cheese. Even if they were like, hey, just use like vegan 
cheese on a pizza, there's vegan cheese isn't real. That's I've, something. That's something else. It's not cheese. I had a, I had a Reuben sandwich once. Okay, it was a hundred percent vegan. I didn't ask what was in it. I I just ate it, and they said, "Do you want Do you want the vegan cheese on there?" I said, "No," because I didn't know what that was and what that would entail. But it's probably one of the best Reubens I ever had. But I have no idea what was in it. Probably but, turtle know. wax. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> little set, little sawdust in there, perhaps. You know. <laughs> Turtle wax isn't vegan. That's made from turtles. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know. I, nothing can go by just be anymore without someone having something to say about it. Some kind of complaint. Some kind of bitch. I mean, it just is, you know, it's a cartoon and they eat pizza. Get over it. Kids like pizza. You liked kid. You liked pizza when you were a kid. Shut the fuck up. That's what I mean. Let, let him have it. Let him have it in moderation, though, okay? Let's put it that way. Everything's good in moderation. Well, sure. <laughs> you know, I just... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's not, it makes me so tired. It's not booze or cigarettes. It's just carbs. Let the kids have some carbs. A little, little bit, you know? And just, you know what? Kick their little asses outside and make them run it off. There you go. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think the occasional pizza is, is what's giving our kids all these problems. I mean, I think the biggest problem is they don't do anything anymore. You know, we were, when I was a kid, we were kicked outside from the time we ate breakfast. We came in for lunch. We were kicked outside again and we had to come in when the street lights came on. Yeah. And that sounds like something out of TV. I know, but that's the way it was. And if we wanted something to drink, we had to drink out of the hose because my mom was likely mopping the kitchen floor. And so it was just, get the hell out of my house. Don't come back in my house. If you come back in my house, somebody better be bleeding. That was the, that was the rule. Unless yeah. it was raining or snowing or something, you know. And they're just ruining, uh-huh. your, they're just ruining your stories there, Jamie. You the, Do what? The, you're just ruining the stories that if you got to come, you got to stay in the house. No. <laughs> Those stories. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. But, um... T- t- today, tonight, whatever time of day you're listening to this, uh, we're gonna do two newish films about you know parenting and whatnot. Because uh, I didn't, didn't really see a common theme until we I watched these movies, but they they're both uh, parents in peril and parents not in peril. You know, so so let's uh, let's do this, and where we're gonna cover last year's Killing of a Sacred Deer and this year's Mom and Dad. And I, uh, I gotta say, guys, that there's gonna be some spoilers on this show, so if you guys haven't seen these movies, I recommend to go watch them first, you know? Because we're gonna do some, some talking abouts and some thinking abouts, as Jamie would say, uh, on uh, on this program. <laughs> yeah. as I we're gonna say. use our head brains. Our head brains, for sure. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Well, we're gonna start with Killing of a Sacred Deer first, uh, chronologically. Uh, right after this. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it the ABCs of Hidden Horror, and we'll go through the alphabet 
talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. We, we don't have to worry about nothing Cause we got the fire And we're burning one hell of a something They, they're gonna see us from outer space Yeah, I'm really sorry about Bob. It's nothing serious. No, it is. Like with the stars of the human race, human race. Where did you two go? When the lights started out, they don't know what they heard. Strike the match, playing loud, giving love to the world. How did his father die? A surgeon never kills a patient. An anesthesiologist can kill a patient, but a surgeon never can. Because we got the fire, fire. Don't be scared, Mom. You'll see. You won't be able to move either. But you'll get used to it. Where is she? What did you do to her? We're gonna let it burn. I don't understand why I should have to pay the price. Why my children should have to pay the price. It's the only thing I can think of as close to justice. We can let it up. So they can put it out. The Killing of a Sacred Deer from 2017. Uh, Your plot synopsis is this. Stephen, a charismatic surgeon, is forced to make an unthinkable sacrifice after his life starts to fall apart when the behavior of a teenage boy he has taken under his wing turns sinister. Kind of gives it away, though. Charismatic, huh? Charismatic, man. It must be the beard. I don't know, but... (laughs) He is the most uncharismatic actor. Certainly wasn't the stories about his girl, his daughter getting her first period. I mean, that, you know. (laughs) Man, oh, man. Yeah, this stars Colin Farrell uh, and Nicole Kidman are probably your your two biggest stars in this film. Uh, Brought you from the guy that brought you Dogtooth. So, you know, it's going to be depressing as fuck. If you've ever seen Dogtooth, that movie's God. You know, just watch it one time. You'll say, no, thank you. But (laughs) it's there. But I'm going to ask um, X, what do you thought of the film? This is a weird one. I mean, this is just a flat-out weird movie. It's got all those, it's got really long tracking shots and stilted dialogue. So, I mean, it definitely has its own style, except it doesn't, because this feels a lot like The Shining. If only one of the kids had, like, ridden a big wheel through the hospital, you would have had that whole thing. But I think once you get... Even the music. Yeah. The... uh, 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 but I think once you get used to a few things, like the slow pace and the attack of the clone style, delivery of the lines, the antagonist's giant bulbous nose, and the <laughs> shocking appearance of Alicia Silverstone, yeah. and, the real- and the realization that you're never going to get the answers you really want from this script, it becomes kind of riveting. It's really kind of hypnotic. So, I mean, it still looks like The Shining, but it plays out more like funny games. Just the most horrible shit that can happen to a family brought about by an outside interloper, which is a great word. But it doesn't have that randomness aspect. So that's there's a difference. But I think this is a gorgeous movie, and I don't believe it for a fucking split second. I also has one of the most uncomfortable conversations between a father and son that I've ever seen in a film, but I think it's a really interesting movie. 
I don't know if I had a good time with it, but it seemed like something that I would have watched in college. I, and I liked college, so I guess I like this movie. Oh, I'll, I'll ask uh, Suzanne next, but she's kind of like, she went Brian M. Sammons on this movie, I think, and is she going to tell us all about it now? Okay, let's say um, I found it. it. It was oddly riveting, right down to the wooden dialogue and the whole overall pretentiousness of this thing. But, you know, a few of my main points is, you know, like I said, the inappropriate conversations between father and son, mother, father, daughter about her first period, and then telling everybody about she just got her first period. How is this dinnertime conversation? It's not, but I think that's how conversations about that should be. What are you going to do, hide it so they can be fucked up like the rest of us were? Well, I mean, it's... You just don't tell random strangers that your daughter just got her first period, you know, even though the father had a relationship with Martin. Did he really need to know that she had a first period? I don't think so. Hey, Martin, she's fertile. Have at it. Come on now. You know, there's grass on the field. And it probably had possibly the second most unsexy sex scene. You know, the doctor corpse fucking his wife. But I imagine Nicole could have been like that anyway. <laughs> now, yes, she wasn't of, dead. She was anesthetized. General was anesthesia. General anesthesia. But it just seemed like corpse fucking to me. So, so she's like she's like if Audrey liked the, 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 the nitrous instead of the doctor in um, Little Shop of Horrors. And, yeah. and basically the entire story reminded me of an episode of Elementary, where Lucy Liu, when she was a doctor had accidentally killed this kid's father on the table and she kept giving him money out of guilt and gifts. So that just, that was the first thing that crossed my mind when we got a little bit into it. And I guess I just found the act, the, the acting in the delivery just wooden. There was no inflection. There was nothing. Is this like something new that I'm going to have to get used to? So that was, I just found that odd. I mean, the majority of this movie, I just just found odd. It's like, I can't really recommend it to somebody, but it's just odd enough that you need to see it, or it's it, it holds your interest in a really strange way. At least it did for me, but it also, it also kind of dragged. I thought I'd been watching it for like an hour and a half. I paused to get up, and I was only 40 minutes into the movie. What? <laughs> and the other thing, I mean, the father went to the kid's school to ask the principal which kid he liked better. I mean, come on. I just. It's well, I mean, if you have it's to. It's important if, to get outside opinions on these things. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have to choose one, then, you know, you want to see how other people perceive them because you don't know everything about their character from at you home. It makes you sense don't to save me. save the dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> But neither of them seemed to be dumbasses, and they were so trying to get their parents' attention. And did you notice in the parents' bedroom the Amityville windows? Yes. Yeah, that kind of stuck out to me, too, on a random note. And the other thing that I just found kind of strange is that Martin's mother wasn't looking for him when they had him captive in the basement. What was up with that? 
She was at home chilling off to pictures of Colin Farrell's armpit hair. Maybe she was. Maybe she was at the mall. And like I said, there was just a lot of uncomfortable scenes that you know it was enough to keep me in it, but I just find it just strange. We're stalking Carrie Elwes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's pretty much the my random thoughts. Do '90s obsession pictures? Do that and your fear and just go nuts. Yes, you know? oh, I love that shit. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, um. Jamie? Okay. All right. Now, (laughs) I have been over here, like, chewing through my bit, trying to, (laughs) waiting for it to be my turn. I'm so excited. I loved this movie so much. And Brian's over here bitching the whole time (laughs) because he doesn't like the stilted acting. And he doesn't like, you know, the delivery. And he doesn't like the, the just... All of these things, he doesn't care for them. And I get that. Like, I understand why. But he does, however, think it looks beautiful, and which, which it does. I, it looks amazing. And it is so, there's so much Kubrick in this that it, but to me, like, I never see that as a bad thing. To me, that is always a good thing. Because if you're going to emulate a director and that's one you choose, what the hell am I going to complain about? You know, because it's there's a reason that he is who he is. And so I absolutely love that style. And I also have a thing for, um, for just, uh, oh, when things are the same on both sides, what is wrong with my head brain? The... <laughs> It's symmetrical or like symmetry. I have a thing about symmetry. I love it. And that's why I love Kubrick. I love centered shots and and perfectly framed shots. And so you can always get my attention with beautiful camera work like that. And that paired with the music, it just um, like that one particular scene where we get the overhead shot um, when he when the, the boy collapses at the bottom of the is it an escalator or stairs? Yes. I think it's yes. escalator. Yeah. And we get that overhead shot. I, that's my favorite shot in the whole film. It, I just, it's beautiful to me. So I was that's all. Weird. My favorite huh? shot is when Colin Farrell's walking into the Red Fox grill. Cause it reminds me of shots from like the first 20 minutes of deep red. Oh, and the, like the first time he goes there. Yeah. Or, or he's just like walking across Sycamore street. That's okay. an, that is an Irish finance movie filmed in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, you're on Sycamore Street. I know where you are because I grew up in that area. I'm just like, oh, look at that. That's cool. So anyway, sorry. That's cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, I did, to me, this just the whole thing was beautiful, and I was so riveted. I was fidgety. I was uncomfortable. I was I was filled with discomfort the entire time, and it's because of the dialogue, and it's because of the delivery of that dialogue, which. I believe, I haven't actually talked to the director, I haven't seen an interview with him, I have no idea if I'm pulling this out of my ass, but from what I get from it, is that every bit of that was intentional for the sole purpose of making you squirm. Sure, I get that. And it worked for me. It's not going to work for everyone, but it worked for me. And so the whole time, I'm just like, I, I'm just fidgeting all over the place. I can't get comfortable. I'm, I'm just like, oh, I'm hiding my head in my hands. At the scene where they're at the, the kid goes to the hospital and he wants to get like the stress test and stuff like that. And then afterward, he's asking Colin Farrell to show him his body hair. 
I had my head in my, like I was hiding my eyes because I just knew someone was going to come walking in and it was going to look really bad. Um, that paired with the fact that for the first 20 or so minutes of this film, I didn't know what their relationship was. And I was trying to figure out if this was his little fuck boy. Yeah. Or, <laughs> and so that made me uncomfortable. The whole thing just, it was crawling all over my skin. And so afterward, we were discussing this film and I was like, I just, I fucking love the whole thing. Like I was, so, I had not, I can't even tell you the last time I've been that uncomfortable watching a film and it was amazing. Like I, I, the, it just bored right into my soul, like deep into me and just, and it just gave me the willies throughout and I loved it. And, um, Brian did not get that from it. And he's like, you know, he's like, I understand what you're saying, but it didn't do that for me. Like it didn't work for me. And the only, and we're talking about this for a long time. And the only thing I can figure out is that I am extremely empathetic when it comes to other people being in uncomfortable situations. And um, I've even talked about this before. Like, you know, if you're at a friend's house and your friend gets in trouble, you know, you don't want to be witness to that. I don't even like being witness to a situation if someone is screaming at a bank teller or someone screaming at a cashier or what I don't I don't like to be in the vicinity of that. I'm that person who will go running around the other like the corner to get away from it because if I'm not directly involved in it, um like if someone's screaming at me, that's a that's a whole other thing. I don't care because then if I have to come back at them then that's fine. If I put them in an uncomfortable situation, it doesn't matter because they're assholes, you know, but if I don't like seeing someone else being put into a situation like that. So I'm going to duck around the corner just to get it, just to not have to watch it. And that's who, I mean, it's just the same thing. Like I was talking earlier about being in the movie theater with all the elderly people while I was watching a bunch of sex, you know, and nudity and shape of water. Like it just, well, not a bunch, but you know, more than I was anticipating and probably more than they were. And I wasn't uncomfortable with it on a personal level, but it made me uncomfortable that they might be uncomfortable with it. That And that's just how things affect me. So this whole film, this is happening to me. The fact that they're having these conversations where they're talking about his daughter's first period or he's talking about his, you know, Colin Farrell's talking about this event or this thing that happened with his father. And he's telling this story to his kid. Um, it... I'm just, I'm cringing all over the place. I'm just like, oh, Jesus, stop. Just make it stop, you know. At the same time, I was so riveted by it, and I was so sucked into it, I didn't want it to stop. Like, I'm just, like, this is making me feel horrible, and I love every second of it. So, I mean, it just, to me, it was just perfectly brilliant. I And I totally get why other people don't like it, and other people won't be affected by it the way I was. But for me, he ticked every box and he pinged me in all the right places. It's like he knew me personally and it was hitting me on every emotional level. Plus, I love the fact that it's, you know, based off this Greek mythology and he's a Greek filmmaker and this is what he does. And I, I just, I dig it. I, I was pretty much blown away and, um, just about everything uh, about it. And so, yeah, I, um... And then, of course, when we like, we always post what we watch on Facebook. And Brian was like, rah, 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 pretentious, rah, 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 rah. And uh, I'm like, but I love it. <laughs> so I, and I don't feel like it's pretentious. Uh, uh, for example, um, 
Oz Perkins is a director that has made a couple films, and I feel like he's pretentious. Um, X, you know, um, Pretty Thing. You know how we feel about that movie? Yeah, um, and it's it the opposite of how I feel about The Black Coat's Daughter, so... Um, well, and see, I feel like he kind of attempted that, this sort of delivery in Black Coat's Daughter, but to me it didn't work very well. Because the thing about Black Coat's Daughter is I needed... I needed to empathize with this character. I wanted to feel what she was going through. I wanted my heart to be broken at the end for her. I, I wanted to feel her lo- her sense of loss when the devil was gone. I, I wanted to to know her loneliness. And I don't feel like he conveyed it well enough. And there was just no emotion there for me. But in this film, there was. And so I can't call this film pretentious because to me, pretension is a th- it, when I think of a pretentious film, I think of something that is forced and it doesn't work because they don't know how to do it because it's not organic because it doesn't just come naturally to me. This worked on every level and I feel like it wasn't, I don't feel like it was forced. I feel like it was intentional. Yes. But I feel like it all came organically. Like he knew what he was doing. He felt it in his gut and, and that's possibly, and that is subjective, of course. But from my point of view, it did everything right. Um, <clears throat> sorry about that, guys. Um, me, myself, yeah, yeah, Jamie hit the nail on the head. It's just, it's an uncomfortable film to watch. Because I think this film has very three subtle acts to it, kind of like a play to where you get that beginning part where you're not quite sure what's going on because he has this relationship with this boy whose father passed away. But you don't know a whole lot about it yet. But they they have weird relationships. Like he would buy him like watches and stuff like that. Like you think they had some kind of relationship going on that was inappropriate. But it's just the you find out later. It's just this guilt that he has because his father died technically not under his care. But you you get later in one of the most uh, interrogation slash handjob scenes ever from from his doctor friend. That it's 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 never. <laughs> It's never uh, it's it's never the the anesthesiologist's fault that that they lose a patient. Well, they lost this patient apparently because Colin Farrell at one point was a raging alcoholic and he tended to had drinks before before performing uh, surgery or whatnot. And um, doesn't it seem like getting a hand job from Nicole Kidman would be just like flopping your dick into a skeleton hand? Yes. Just a, bone, a, a cold one too. Bad friction. Yeah. She does have that ice queen thing going on. Yeah. Oh, but then you get that second act where you find out this that Martin is fully aware of what's going on, and uh, Martin's the boy, the guy seven knows who lost his father, and he's just totally calculating in in, in what he's doing to to Colin Farrell's family and his 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 children. And how calculating he is with his daughter, who's who seems to be highly obsessed with him, although she's getting ill as well, just like the little brother, and you know m- more and more ill as as it goes on, and she's still a, there's still that that obsession with him, and that's that's really wild and, and absurd, and uh, the whole you, you got somebody mentioned it, the whole thing where. The only way that Nicole Kidman can get through sex is if she dopes herself, basically. So she just planks herself on the bed <laughs> after after getting high in anesthesia. 
because of course you 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 can get that sort of thing at the hospital. Of course, if you have the right resources, and that's uncomfortable to watch. This is a film full of discomfort, and it it likes like Susan. I, I agree with Suzanne when she said the first forty minutes feels like two hours because it kind of does because you're not quite sure where the film is going. But once 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 it amps up. And you, you you see what's really the big picture and what's going on. I think it's a it's a great experience because I think it makes it all worth it. And uh, the 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 wonky um, the wonky last part of this movie to to where uh, the good doctor is now kidnapped Martin to because if you guys haven't seen the film before, basically Martin may or may not have poisoned Colin Farrell's children to make them paralyzed. You know, because it's never really said how he does it. He just happens to know the symptoms of what's going to happen. You know, their legs will go numb. I forget the next part, but it, it, when, when you're going to die, and the daughter seems way overly excited when the brother's eyes start to bleed. He's dying! He's dying! Well, really... I love that conversation that they had where the little boy was talking about how, you know, he wanted... Um, They were getting him... I forget what they were getting him. A piano. Uh, a pi- okay, yeah, they were getting him a piano, but they didn't want her to know because they didn't want to scare her. Because if they're getting him a piano, that means she's going to die. <laughs> I mean, it just, the their reaction really to this whole thing was yeah. really, yeah, it was. And, but I, it was very dark. The whole thing was was very dark. And then, you know, the, the, the way that he decides to choose what to do with the family. Um, and, and oddly... At that point, the little boy's eyes were already bleeding. So oddly, to me, that is the happiest ending you could get. Yeah, and that could, sounds horrible, but it. Um, those yeah. Whatever, Mango, I'm sorry, Suzanne. Oh no, just uh, one of the the another one of the odd conversations between Kim and Bob is about the MP3 player, yeah. and it wasn't if you die; it's when you die. It's it's like sibling rivalry at its most morbid. I, I think because. They, they they know, because when you get to the end of the film, it's like an eye for an eye. Somebody's going to die. And they, they, it's almost like they're in competition saying, well, you know, Dad likes me better. They bought me a piano. Or Dad likes me better. This, that, the other. They're not inadvertently saying that, but they're basically kicking it to to, to each other. Like the saying, you know, when you, when you die, I get this. When you die, I get that. Well, the it, it, spoilers, like you guys mentioned... Well, Jamie mentioned the sister wins, but there there are no real winners at this movie, especially in the end of this movie. To where, <laughs> oh god, that's awkward too. <laughs> seductively drinking water while she's eating fries, like, yep. Hey, you want to go on a date Saturday night? I'll like save my fries for last, baby. No oh, man, but uh, yeah, yeah. You guys mentioned Alicia Silverstone. She so she shows up for about five minutes of this film, and I want to say that she was in on the. In on the the, the child paralyzation there, but uh, you don't know because she doesn't really show back up again in the film. All he says that t- tells uh the, the the wife is that y- your husband pulled some moves on my mom just just to say it, you know. And maybe he had her tied up in the basement too. I don't know. This kid is fucking creep that cre- creepy as hell, and his his dialogue is so deadpan. But in all the right ways, because he's just this this kid who lost his father and apparently has nothing left but revenge, and that's all he's thinking about. And you yeah, know, I think he did, he played it brilliantly. Oh yeah, pretty. pretty he kind of reminded me of Paul Dano. 
little bit. I, that, seems, that name sounds so familiar. What is he in? Um, there might be blood, or there little will Miss be blood. Sunshine. Yeah, Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, there I will, gotcha. He was the preacher kid, and there will be blood. There might be blood. There might. There, there might, might be. be blood. <laughs> there is a potential for blood. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't say it's brilliant through and through. But you know the 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 the, the stuff that folks would call boring. It, it all pays off, you know, eventually in the film, so you got you gotta stay with it. It's two hour two hour runtime, so if you if you're gonna if you're gonna watch this movie, you, I'd say just stay with it. And uh strap yourselves in for some some regret and some 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 disappointment and some some really really ways to question yourself, like what would you do with the situation if you had to, you know, make that ultimate sacrifice and do some weird Turning around in the living room stuff. I don't know what that was about. That seemed kind of pretentious to me as well, but you know, whatever. It's just there. It's just there. Skull cap over the face, spinning in a circle, shooting at nothing. But, uh. Well, because, I mean, if you're faced with that decision, you, do you want to have to make it? No. You know, at least that way you have the randomness. It's like, my dad used to, or my grandfather used to work for the prison system in Georgia and he told me that back in the day they always had three switches for execution and they were they were all pulled simultaneously by three different guys so that no one ever knew which one was actually responsible for the death of, of the prisoner gotcha and i always thought that was you know, that was a nice touch. That was a cool thing. Like it, it I mean, that it, we're t- talking about the murder, uh, not the murder, but we're talking about the execution of a human being. So that's horrible. But the fact that they did not want one person to be saddled with that job and to be haunted by that thing for the rest of their lives, I thought that was, you know, kind of an interesting way to deal with that. So, you know, you take the decision and the finality of that decision out of your hands uh, the only way you know how. And I think for him, that was the best solution he could come up with. And, you know, I thought it was kind of humorous because there's space so far apart that, you know, you're basically shooting up the living room <laughs> before anything actually got done. So there was a there was a bit of really dark humor in that scene. But, uh, I mean, I, I see it. I see why. But a sense of seriousness, too, because when he has to go upstairs and say... You know, honey, the rest of the family's in the living room. Right. She she is fully aware of what's going to happen next. And you know what's funny is I didn't realize I didn't realize that they. I mean, because they didn't say, "Hey, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do." So when he went up to get her, and then you know she, we then saw them in the next scene. I was I was like, oh oh, oh okay, and I didn't realize that she knew what was going on. But uh, yeah, I mean, she did, and. That's, I mean, ima- that's very sobering to me. Imagine having to come to that decision, and then imagine being okay with it, which but they it all seem her, to be. It yeah, was that her was. idea. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, the kids too. Oh. Like, imagine having to be a part of that, and then and they all seemed resigned to it. You know, like Gary said, dark. like Gary said before, that was like their weird kind of sibling rivalry. I wonder who's going to kick the big one yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a very strange family dynamic. Not what you expect in the suburbs. <laughs> uh, do you expect that anywhere? What? <laughs> no, there's some parts of town you fully expect to hear gunshots. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Hey, I, I grew up there. <laughs> it was uh, gunshots and helicopters all the time when I was growing up. Oh, well, that's here. That's where Which we was now. horrible for me because I had that whole fear of Day of the Dead thing. And so in the middle of the night when I would hear helicopters and gunshots, it would freak me out to no end because I was like, the zombies are coming. Oh, man. So if this review told you guys anything. (laughs) um, Amazing to some, boring and pretentious to others, you know, or or a little bit of both. I'm going to leave that decision up to the listeners to to go watch this movie and uh, maybe go to the Facebook group and tell us what you think about it. Uh, We'd appreciate that. You know, another another opinion about this film. I'd be curious to see because I I don't think anyone is wrong. I mean, you know, film is very subject. Art in any form is subjective. So you, uh, you know, your opinion is not wrong. So, but I am curious to see where most people fall on this film. And I totally get either way. I mean, I totally understand people going in either direction. But I'm curious to see. Yeah, me too. But I'm going to ask you, Jamie, uh... Anything else you want to say? And would you give it one to ten? No, I blabbed a lot. I, ooh, well, I'd say a nine. I don't, uh, I don't really know why. Um, I mean, I don't know. I never have. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand. I just. I'm not good at like number ratings. I'm just not. Like, I'm not comfortable with it because i gave it a five but see for us at home we do netflix ratings so five just means i loved it you know um but then if i say 10 here then that means oh i think it's an absolutely perfect film well do i i don't know i i I don't look at films that way so but but it is really high for me so i'm gonna say nine and just deal with it (laughs) fair enough i'm awkward that's okay (laughs) i'm awkward and here at the house, when we do ratings, it's always on a scale of one to Ric Flair. How did you like something? <laughs> Woo! Ric Flair, of course, being perfection. But when I'm on this show, the way that I do it is I always compare it to the other movies that we're looking at. So in comparison to the next film, um, I give this one a seven and a half out of ten. I liked it, and I think I will like it more if I watch it again. So... There's that. Yeah, I'm going to go with seven and a half on that. Fair enough. Sue. All right. I'm I'm just going to start with a five, but I have a feeling I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this a little further down the road. It's just there there was something there that stuck. And I usually am all over movies like this. You know, the you know, bizarre family dynamics. I really like that. But this one, there is just things that just bothered me and I guess I I sound just like Brian when I was giving my re, my thoughts on it but yeah I'm just sticking with a five and yeah, he was there's close a good to angry <laughs> I was annoyed for I think most of the movie I yeah, was, he was sitting grumpy the whole time <laughs> <laughs> and I was irritated and annoyed but yeah I, I I do think I'm gonna go back and watch this I'm sticking with my five and that may change the next time I watch it. I don't know, but it is something that I do believe deserves a rewatch. Fair enough. Uh, me? Um, I'm right there with X with that 7.5. I, I, I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's pretty great. I, I uh, 
if I jaw on the floor at certain points in this film, and it, it takes a lot to shock me. And when random stuff just started to happen, I, I was like, yo, oh, I see. So I see this is where this is going. I see where this is going. I see this is going this point. And uh, that's a whole, that, this film is a whole version of that. So that's where they're going with this, huh? So that's where they're going with this, huh? And uh, all, all in a good way, I, I, I feel. So, uh, seven and a half out of ten for me. But, um, for me. Said it's so profound, right? But <laughs> <laughs> after this, um, we're gonna discuss something a little less serious, but uh, a lot more fun. We talk about mom and dad from this year, right after this. Hello, and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I'm Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, bark, bark. And he said, bark, bark, bark. And she said, bark, 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 bark. That's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> the boner of tears. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, This is the Doomed Show is available on HelloDoomedShow.Podomatic.com and DoomedMovieThon.com Hello, hello, this is the Doomed Show, Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava. It's the Doomed Show. Hello, hello, this is the Doomed Show, Slashers, G.I. Low and Horror. Amen! American dream, Dusty Rhodes, babies. I'm coming to you live and in living color to speak to you, the American people. A podcast called Silver and Gold Daddy. And you know that the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, knows how to bring home the gold, Daddy. And just like Henry Silva. Sticking Baba Boucher's head inside a sow hanging from the ceiling. Silver and gold will stick it to you. Stick it to your ears. Stick it to your mouth, your eyes, your nose, daddy. And all points in between, they'll take your listening pleasure and stick it between a sow's caucus hanging from the ceiling, daddy. Silver and gold. We talk about movies and shit. Find us on iTunes or silverandgold.com. Hey, uh, can I go to a movie with Riley tonight? With Riley? Your grandparents are coming for dinner tonight, remember? Awesome! Grandpa telling his disgusting Vietnam stories. Take my advice, don't ever have kids. Everything just revolves around you, doesn't it? Yeah, whatever. What's the rush today? It's like they're waiting for a buffet. What's going on? Is that McKenna's mom? Multiple reports are now coming in of parents murdering their own children. Listen to me. We have to get out of the house. 
before mom and dad come home. From last year as well, apparently. I'm sorry, 2017 uh, plot synopsis is this. A teenage girl and her little brother must survive a wild 24 hours during which a mass hysteria of unknown origins causes parents to turn violently on their own kids. This stars, and boy does it, star Nicolas Cage. Uh, Selma Blair looking, I think, sexy as ever. Lance Henriksen shows up in this film, and it's amazing. But lots, lots of other folk, other folk in this movie, as Duncan would say, you know. Um, this is brought to us by the director of such fare as Crank, Crank Two, Ghost Rider Two, Spirit of Vengeance, and Gamer, which are films that I enjoy on a whole different level besides this film. But I'm gonna ask uh, Jamie what she thought of this one first. Man, I loved this movie. This was fun. I going into it, the only thing I knew about it was that when I saw the trailer, I thought it was, oh, this is like the opposite of Cooties, which is what it made me think of. I didn't realize Selma Blair was in it, whom I never, ever used to like. I couldn't stand her when she was younger. But as she's gotten older, I really like her. So... That's good. That's good. Uh, Nicholas, I didn't know Nicholas Cage was in it, and that was a pleasant surprise. And he was all kinds of Nicholas Cage in this movie. I was just so excited. Uh, every time he'd get one of his wild Nicholas Cage moments, I'm like, yes. I mean, nobody can do this shit like him. It's brilliant. Uh, I didn't know Lance Henriksen was in it. That was fantastic. He wasn't in it for much, but when he, what he was in, I loved every second of it. It was. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect, really, and so it was all a pleasant surprise. It was pretty uh, mean in a lot of places, and I just, uh, yeah, when shit started going down, I was all into it, and not knowing the rules of what was going on, you kind of learn that as you go on. So that was fun to kind of see what the rules were as far as like they're not just going after kids, they're going after their own kids specifically. And then and yes, it's were it's true for adults too, which I thought was fantastic. Um, you know, how they would be perfectly normal until their kids came into their line of sight and then you could just see the crazy takeover. That was fantastic. I thought there was some really good dialogue, some really good violence, and you know, that poor boyfriend. Uh, he just, he, bless his heart, he just would wake up and take a hit to the head and, <laughs> and get, and then get knocked out and then wake up and take a hit to the head. And get, I felt really bad for him. 
But um, it was like a Deus Ex boyfriend uh, every time you turned around. This was just, uh, it was a really fun ride. I, the only thing, the only complaint I have, and it's not even a big one, but I just feel like the ending was a little bit abrupt. And part of that is because I just wasn't ready to be done with it yet. I I was enjoying where I was. I was having a good time. And I just wanted more. And then the ending just sort of stopped. And that that made me unhappy a little. Um, but, you know, if, if that's my biggest complaint is that I didn't get more of what I was enjoying, then I guess I shouldn't... I should just not be greedy and deal with it. So... Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought it was super fun. Cool. Uh, Suzanne. All right. Jamie, I wrote down pretty much the exact, some of the same exact words you used. <laughs> that poor <Nice>. boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, I wrote that in all caps because that poor boy <laughs> just took a, an ass kick in several times and he just kept getting up. And the, the ending, it was, I wrote, it just stopped. I, it, and I think I'm in the same boat with you. It's like, I guess I wanted a little bit more, you know, maybe some kind of explanation. It didn't have to be a great one, but who knows? But anyway, this was fun. It was so much fun. And I have to admit, I'm not a huge Nick Cage fan anymore, but I really liked him in this. It just looks like they took his body, poked holes in it and filled it up with that expanding foam because he's just got a strange-looking body. He's got that it, dead punch. Yeah, it was it just weird. And it was a pleasure to see Lance Hendrickson, but I just like him in damn near everything he's in anyway. And it also, it kind of reminded me a little bit of this movie called Doghouse. Where the, uh, that's a good one. Where the women were zombies oh, yeah. and would attack men. Yeah, I liked that. And in this one, it's the parents go crazy and only kill their own kids. But there is just some good violence. It was fun. You know, it's like I I will find little things to nitpick. Like, how the hell could they afford a housekeeper when dad was talking, when Nick Cage was talking about going from 145,000 a year to 45? Just little thing, nitpicky thing. But that's about the only thing I could nitpick. You it's, know, uh, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, oh, no, God. You made me think of the conversation that they were having about basically midlife um, really hit home for me. You know, when he was talking about how, um, like, you know, when he was a kid, he had the world in front of him. And now he's got this dad paunch and all this stuff. And then, you know, she's talking about, well, you know, we had relationship and career goals, too, as as girls. You know, we, we have those same dreams. And then uh, it just, I don't know, that whole conversation, I just kind of stopped dead and got sucked into that conversation when they were having it. And it made me really reflective, which I thought was interesting for a film of this tone. Yeah, I, I actually felt the same way. And it... It really did. You just start thinking about all the, your plans and you know, now you're old and you know maybe you got accomplished one or two of your goals, but you're not in the place where you fully expected yourself to be at this time in your life. But it was, it was a really good movie. And yeah, I loved it. 
it was fun. I enjoyed it. Abrupt ending, which I wasn't too sure I liked. Because I think with Jamie, I wanted more. I wanted a little bit more. Maybe, you know, just uh, something, anything. But, yeah, that's about it. Man. Oh, X. You know, it seems like if there was a movie tailor-made for Jamie, it would be Mom and Dad. So many dead kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said I loved it. <laughs> it's, I mean, first five minutes, kill that baby. No problem. We've got a really interesting directorial study going on between these two movies because you've got, you know... <clears throat> Killing of a Sacred Deer, which has all those meticulously planned dolly shots, and every frame is designed to look like a painting. And then you get this thing, which is, like like Gary said, directed by Brian Taylor, who did Crank. I'm still waiting for that third Crank movie, by the way. By God, I need to get that. So you've got a lot of really weird, like, hyperkinetic camera work going on in this movie, but it's so well-balanced with the quiet scenes, like the one Jimmy was talking about, where they're in the basement talking about, well, all of our dreams were shattered. <laughs> yep, we were going to be really cool at one point, but then adulting showed up, and everything just got stomped under that jackboot like overripe grapes, and now we're fucked. So, really, this could be a Lifetime movie if it weren't for all that kid murder. Um, but we need to talk about Nick Cage because he is amazing in this. I mean, he is just, he's nuts in everything. He is super nuts in this. Him talking about the damn Sawzall, oh my God, that's already become part of my everyday conversation. <laughs> Means it saws all. So great. Just his rage and his facial expressions, and he just. It's like he leaves every shred of human decency behind for this role, and it's great. You can't take your eyes off of him. And then, even the short time they're on screen together, he and Lance Hendrickson, <laughs> that's amazing. It's just like, okay, here's crazy middle-aged guy, here's fucking crazy old guy, and let's watch them fight, because why not? Vince Russo should have written this. So, again, like, like Suzanne said, very minor quibbles about this, but I love this movie for how it's willing to be grounded in kind of that familiar story foundation of people in midlife crisis, but it's still just over the edge and waving bye-bye in its horror elements. And did I mention how funny this movie is? Because this movie's fucking hilarious. It is. It's fucking hilarious. It may not have the same impact if you've never had children, but even if you're friends with people who have had kids and you watch their whole lives change because now they've got a kid, you're going to appreciate this flick. Also, props for not killing the black guy first. This is my favorite movie of the year so far. So take that as you will. <laughs> Man, that black guy went through some shit in this movie. I'll say, I'll say just like you guys said it, you know. Jesus, she Michael Myered him. Yeah, she, right through the <laughs> cheek with the fucking coat <laughs> hanger. Face. Jesus ah. Christ. <laughs> That's gonna hurt when it comes out, but he, he gets backhanded by his father. You can just you can just see the impact of it when he gets backhanded by his father, and um, he falls over the fucking steps and he hits his head on the way down, and that's pretty. He just gets his ass kicked throughout this entire film. But um, I thought that the, the <laughs> it's almost like a really 
Once the parents get the kids in the basement, it's it's like a really weird game of Home Alone. You guys mentioned the Sawzall. He first sees the Sawzall. He, he he looks at his wife like, you're a fucking moron. That's never going to work. And he goes for the gun. And you, you see the gun is missing. You know the kids have the gun. And then the mother gets shot. And you, you see the scene. And he holds back nothing. Because the, they were trying to get the fucking bullet out. You just see the gaping bullet hole just just on screen. And it's all there. It's all there. And it's all amazing. Oh. I love when he's like, I feel like I should take the bullet out first. And she's like, no. And he's like, I don't want it to get infected. <laughs> Put some bactine on that shit. You know, keep it going. You know, what's interesting is there seemed to be a disconnect between the two of them. In the beginning of the film. And then by the time when they have basically united in their attempt to take out their children, it was kind of heartwarming. Well, it's basically she's trying to neuter him, you know, like, like any good wife would do. She, she wants to make him sell his hot rod that he had had built up and bought from his father all that time. You know, there's the scene where you guys talking about where they're, they're talking about the way they used to be and, and their regrets and... All he wanted was his goddamn pool table, and he just destroys this pool table because she won't let him have this one thing. And uh, after like he te- any good wife would do, after he tediously made sure it was perfectly balanced, you know, <laughs> that was hilarious just, to watch. Man, he destroys this pool table. It's solid as fuck, too. And um, and the stuff, the stuff where it just turns on. There's a great scene where um. Some of our sisters having a baby, and you're not quite sure if it's going to go there or not, but then it does to where she sees her newborn baby, and she just wants to snap its fucking neck, and Selma Blair sees this, and she abruptly takes the baby away from, you know, the mother, but, you know, just you, to think that this might happen in this movie, just like, yeah, they're, they're going to go there, and it's a movie about parents killing kids, and I love the fact that they don't explain anything, it just, it just happens. It's kind of like Day of the Animals. Yeah. Nothing's explained. Isn't that now, the best use of a Roxette song in a movie ever? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I do have a question, though, and there's something that's a little bit confusing to me about the timeline. And it's because in like early on, we see the little boy, he sees the baby bird that's getting picked apart, basically, by the the parent birds, I assume. And then he rescues it and takes it in. And he puts it in his dad's car. I noticed that. You mentioned it. He tries to feed it. and But then we see that this bird dies and stinks up the car. So it's been dead for a while if it's going to do that. So it doesn't really fit with the timeline of everything else that's going on. So I'm curious as to how long. Because with all of their like flashbacks and flash forward. I mean, it was. I was kind of. I couldn't get a grasp on how much time had passed and how much time we were talking about. Well, I never noticed, you know, if there were any animals about, but maybe it affected the animals first. Oh, well, maybe. I, I don't know. It, it could have been. I mean, that, that would make sense if it maybe started in the animals and then mutated to humans. And um, so that, that's a good point. I never did notice any other animals. Yeah, well, huh. yeah. There was this minor explanation in Day of the Animals about the ozone layer. Yeah, that's true. But he, you guys mentioned, everybody mentioned this, how abruptly it ends. I kind of liked that it ended that way. Because it, it kind of lets you know that, that we're not going to 
have this tacked on extra eight minute scene where saying, oh, the next day the pants are back to normal and they all hiking their kids and yada, yada, yada. It's like, I, di I didn't need that Max, and I love Maximum Overdrive, but I didn't need that Maximum Overdrive ending to say, the comet's tail left the Earth's orbit and then the machines all went back to normal again. I didn't need that in this movie. I, I want to assume that this, this parental carnage was just going on and on and on and on and on and maybe started like a great war or something. I don't know. But well, I would have liked to have seen the kids go crazy next and kill their parents. Yeah. Watch cooties. Yeah. Uh, you know, I Brian brought up yet. Brian. Oh, it's very good. It's ba it's, fun. it's basically the opposite of this in a way, and and it's it's fun. I like it. Brian brought up the screw fly experiment. Yep, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Brian brought that up. And um, and I, I think that which also kind of ties in with oh. Did you bring up something else that was similar to that, Suzanne, or did you actually bring up Screwfly? No, I didn't. I remember... Gary, oh. The Screwfly solution, though, is a definite... That's oh, a, that's a good parallel. <laughs> also, oh, yeah, the, I'm, I'm sorry, Brian, thank you. There was a, there's a novel called Blood Crazy, which is basically this. I mean, it's kids going after parents, so it's even more of a good parallel. Um, and it was... It, it's actually so similar that I started the book. I haven't finished it yet, but it's actually so similar that Brian's like, I'm surprised somebody didn't get sued because it's <laughs> very, very similar. But um, yeah, there's, a, I mean, a lot of examples of this kind of thing out there. And I always like that. I always, because um, Screwfly, Screwfly Solution is one of my favorite Masters of Horror episodes. Yeah, it's oh, in my top yeah. three. Yeah, and Henriksen, the little you get Henriksen in this film, you know, it's it's not a complaint at all. Because when he shows up, he fucking shows up. He's like, oh, my parents are here. All of a sudden he gets greeted with a slash to the abdomen by Lance Henriksen. And then it just fucking goes crazy. I love the point where Lance Henriksen, he just turns to the kids and goes, he says, oh, hey, you little pistol or some shit like that. Like he's really like, Hey, granddad's here. You want to play? You know, kind of deal. And um, I love I made that switch, and they just goes right back to, to going after his son. In uh, it, it ends with Lance Henriksen dying very, very grossfully on the hood of the the car that his son rebuilt that was his, and and it's just crazy throughout. I, I love I love I love all the parents called there. We're gonna come pick up our kids all at once. Like, yeah, that's that's not a coincidence. You know? Oh, that group of parents waiting outside the PSATs, like they're like it was you know Black Friday shopping or something. Yeah, it was crazy. That was hilarious. Yeah, you have to assume that that was a group member who, who tore apart that who tore apart that kid that was brought over the fence. But uh, so that's probably the only time that one kid didn't go after the other kid. Uh, I love I, I love. Um, the maid you guys mentioned that that scene where she uh, says, "I can't get the floor clean." You know she's Asian. I don't want to do an Asian voice all the way, but you know it's because she just killed her child in the house before they came home, and she just keeps scrubbing the same blood into the floor. <laughs> Out damn spot! Oh, it's lovely. It's 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 a lovely, fun fucking movie. It's it's eighty. It's not even ninety minutes. Eighty three minutes long. It doesn't work. It's welcome. I like the abrupt ending because I, I, I like to think that this didn't end. It didn't give you a little cozy little package saying the next day it ended and yada, 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 like some films do. Hell, like most of the films like this do. Like, oh, and everything went back to normal. 
until the next time it happens. You know, shit like that. And, um, I didn't need that. I didn't get that. I'm kind of happy about that, too. Yeah, I'm not... I'm okay with that part of it. I just wanted more in general. Like, I just... I wanted to... I just was having fun. I wanted it to keep going. I love how the maid was like, I don't know why. He's hiding somewhere in the house, but I don't know why. Like... Well, like they're kid. completely oblivious to anything being wrong with what they're doing. It's like she's focused. She's focused on killing her child. She's done that. Now she has to clean up the mess and take care of the the little white house boy that she has to care for. <laughs> it's like she's right back to her job again, but she still can't get these stains out of this floor. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that, and I'm gonna ask uh, Jamie anything else, and what do you give it one to ten? Uh, no, I think we covered it pretty well. This is a super fun flick, and I'm going to go with another nine, but for completely different reasons, and I highly recommend this, and if you're one of those people out there who's like, oh, I just can't stand Nicolas Cage, and a lot of people, a lot of people don't like Nicolas Cage, I mean, and I I can understand that, because he's just like, Bleh. but, um, I mean, even Brian DePaul, all right, you know, that's kind of an odd but I was about to say, even Brian De Palma couldn't calm his ass down when they did Snake Eyes. But Brian De Palma doesn't, he's not real good at calming people. <laughs> um, and he just, he is, uh, he's a, he's wackadoo. Um, but this is just, it's classic and super fun. And I can't recommend it any more than I do. I, it's just, it's, it was, it blew my expectations right out of the water. Oh boy. X. Like I said, best thing of the year so far for me. Nine and a half. Cool. Suzanne? I, the pacing was great. They were very just breakneck. There was violence and people killing each other. A little lull where the parents have their, you know, Nick Cage and Selma Blair have their discussion about where their life should be. I, I was a Nick Cage hater, and this movie kind of changed my mind about him. And I loved it. It was fun. It's definitely something that I'm going to watch a few more times because I enjoyed the hell out of it. So yeah, I'm at about I'm, I'm eight, eight and a half. Oh, man. Yeah, me, myself, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with that nine. I, I said it right away that this is a buy. And as soon as I watched it, I bought it immediately on, on Vudu. And so now we can watch it whenever we want to, you know, so... So that there it is, and uh, it's a um, fun time. It deserves the nine. It deserves the love. Go seek it out, people. It's pretty great. And uh, after this, we'll be right back with uh, that special segment and to close out the show. All right, folks, that time of the show again to where you know we do some talking about about some dead people and somebody who should possibly be dead over these dead people <laughs> in a segment that I like to call "Why Not Stan Lee." <laughs> And I don't want to get too sticky about this. We're still talking about comic books. Oh, I think I have a small list here of people that that, that nobody that, that you would necessarily know by name, except maybe like one of these guys. But um, I think I'll start right from from the bottom of my feed here, and uh, a story that popped up, and these are two bands that I enjoyed, that I still enjoy, 
the bassist Jim Jim Rodford from the Kinks and the Zombies uh, died after after falling, and I think in his home at seventy six. Um, yeah, everybody loves a good bass player. X is a bass player, of course, and uh, we uh, I, I enjoy the Kinks and the Zombies music from the time he was playing with them. I May mean, still been playing with them. I have no idea, but you know, if you guys don't know any Kinks or Zombies music, just uh, seek that out. House of the Rising Sun is a Zombies song. The Kinks, uh, of course, all, all Lola. All the night. Yeah, Lola as well is a King song. Hello, Lola. Lola. There's lots of good King songs. Hello, Lola. But um, yeah, there's that for I sure. I like cherry cola. Yes, indeed. What time for being aware of that song is because of Weird Al Yankovic, you know, because of the Yoda song. Oh, oh and the sad thing is, I still remember a couple of lyrics from Yoda. Oh, it's good stuff, you know. That's not sad. And I just left, blah, blah, blah. I left home just a week before, and I never ever been a Jedi before. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a crush on Colin Bluntstone. Bluntstone. This is a, a good time, Bluntstone. Bluntstone. You know, take a hit from the Bluntstone and see what happens next. It's my favorite Judas Priest song. <laughs> Oh, here's a couple of writers. Ursula K. Le Guin, uh, she's a fantasy author, uh, dead at 88. She wrote the the Earthsea series, and uh, which I've read in high school, and uh, other stuff. I think that's not, like the highlight for me, though. But uh, she was writing at a time where, where I would imagine there weren't a lot of female fantasy authors out there. And uh, I'd imagine there was a real, real big boys club, but she... Uh, Wrote some quality stuff, and I, I think that uh, she needed to be saluted. Which I I, I picked the, I picked this segment to to talk about many people, you know, whatever across the spectrum, you know, artists, writers, musicians, movie stars, anybody I want to talk to. And I think this one fits into uh, the time where I was reading a lot of books at the time, and uh, her books were in that that mix with the fantasy stuff and. It uh, it touched me in uh, in, in just an appropriate way, not an inappropriate way, you know. But I, I know you three are, are readers of 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 a, of a certain nature. Have you guys heard of these books at all? In this in this author, I know of her and of them, but I've never really been a fantasy reader. Fair enough. I know her better for the Lathe of Heaven um, than I do the Earthsea. Whatever the hell it was, mm-hmm. the Lathe of Heaven um, has been made into a movie twice, and the first time was on PBS, and it actually starred Bruce Davison and uh, Kevin Conroy, and that's a classic. It is such a good movie. So, I like the movie better than the book. I'll be honest. <laughs> nice, Jamie. I don't believe so. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't. Oh, that's okay. And I. <laughs> You don't believe it? Wait, that was vague. Are you well, I, well, Are you discounting question, my opinion and saying, I don't believe so? No, or, no, no. <laughs> I, well, his question was, Do we are we aware of, are familiar with her or the books, right? Oh, okay. And I don't believe so. Okay, I'll just clarify. <laughs> but also, I don't believe so. X. Fine. <laughs> I am not familiar with her work, but you're wrong. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Oh, here's one that you guys would know a lot more about that, that I don't know a ton about. But uh, we lost Jack Ketchum. Oh, who, that uh, was so sad. A self-proclaimed... <laughs> the AV Club wrote... Da- his name was Dallas Mayer, was his real name, apparently. And my freaking screen just stopped. Ain't that about a bitch? You know? That sounds like a name somebody would make up. Why would you change your name from that to Jack Ketchum? <laughs> I guess Jack Ketchum sounded more official. You know? <laughs> Maybe oh, he was God. like, I can't use my real name. People will think I made it up. <laughs> It sounds too much like ketchup. God yeah, damn it. Jack Ketchum wrote the only book that I read once, and it freaked me out so bad, I got rid of it, and I've never picked it up again. And that was the girl next door. You put it in the freezer? No, I I put it in the trash. <laughs> I was just like, get this evil thing out of my house. So I should really go back and read it again now. But yeah, that that book screwed me with my head bad. And that's a compliment, so... Oh man! Yeah, yeah oh, here it is. What? Yeah, so, he was a self-proclaimed former actor, singer, teacher, literary agent, lumber salesman, and soda jerk. I thought that was quite profound that the AV Club wrote that that was a quote from him. <laughs> but apparently, of course, he was battling that big C, that big cancer, and uh, died at seventy-one. Anybody have this, Suzanne? Oh, I actually met him at the horror writers convention and he was such for the disturbing things that he wrote he was such a soft-spoken guy i always thought he looked like it he just had that face that didn't age and i always thought he kind of he kind of reminded me of william defoe and the i the girl next door is one of the hardest things you will ever read i'm also a big fan i like the lost as well but he's such a loss to the horror worlds. Yeah. Oh, these next two are right, right, right in my wheelhouse. Mort Walker. You don't know his name, but you know his work. He's the guy who who drew and created Beetle Bailey, uh, staple in my life for, for for since I remember reading comic strips as a kid, and I still read the funny papers now. Uh, died in '94. Um, this guy had a pretty fascinating story too. If my stupid thing would freaking work, you know, and the dogs are making noise. That's always fun, huh, guys? Behind-the-scenes stuff. <laughs> oh, Mom's yelling at the dogs. Oh, where are we at here? He drew the comic strip for 68 years, longer than any of the U.S. artists in history of the medium. Oh, man. Reached 200 million readers and 1,800 papers, including the ones over here in 50 countries. But, um, basically... <laughs> Yeah, he was somebody who touched my life. He's right there with with Hagar the Horrible, as far as like the ones that maybe gave me the giggles, and I guess would give me my sense of humor all through my life. And uh, I really um, enjoyed it for that reason. And uh, <laughs> I really love me some Beetle Bailey, and it really that really randomly struck me to say, yeah, this is the guy that did all that for me. To not necessarily give my my uh, my dirty jokes, but give my uh, Give me the funnies, and I always enjoyed the funnies. I still enjoy the funnies today. Uh, any uh, Beetle Bailey fans among us? I always liked Beetle Bailey. I did too. I did too. My grandpa liked Beetle Bailey, so. Yeah, I have a lot of com. I read the comics the other day, and I was like, oh, I haven't done this in a long time, and it just it brought back a lot of memories because I used to wrestle that section away from my dad every Sunday morning, and 
I there were some that I really loved, and only one that I would hate read, and that was Nancy. I <laughs> I hated that goddamn comic strip. It was never ever ever funny, but I read it anyway, and I don't know why. <laughs> that's funny. I hate read Kathy. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. <laughs> uh, she reminded me of my best friend's mom at the time because. I don't know. She just had these office stories and it always made me think of that. But who the hell thought Nancy was a good dad? That is just not funny. It was never funny. I hate red Blondie. Oh, I loved Blondie. Blondie was funny. No, it wasn't. Yes, it, it was. You're wrong. <laughs> I, I, I hate red the Lockhart's because I, I knew where Mr. Lockhart was coming from in every, every strip, you know, so... The lock horns. Oh, the lock horns. I'm sorry. I don't and it took so me. Long. It took me years to get because you know when you're your little bitty is when you start reading these things, and it took me years to understand that they were called the lock horns because they locked horns all the time. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I remember when I made that revelation. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh, one guy who I could agree. I, I think we could all agree that he's a big loss to to. The, the things that make me laugh and make us laugh. John Morris, who was the composer for, for like 10 Mel Brooks films, uh, died at 91. He started with the producers. You know, if you guys have seen the original producers, it, 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 it carries over into the remake as well. I enjoy both. I actually enjoy the, the Nathan Lane one just a little bit more than the, than the other one. Call me crazy. But, you know, if you haven't seen Springtime for Hitler performed... Or heard the Blazing Saddles song. Or so many of these other tunes that are in these Mel Brooks films that make them so much more awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. This, this, this is the guy that did it. That, that, that groomed... <laughs> that made that comedy all that much more better. With the score and the, the, the tunes. And it's, uh... Yeah. It's good stuff, you know. Brian would Bri- kill me if he ever listens to this and hears me tell this story. But, um... Every night, oh no, uh, I got his attention. Shit! <laughs> every every night he sings a little song to Fester to the tune of "Springtime for Hitler." <laughs> That's okay. And I'm mad at him. And it's not. It's it's his little bedtime song, and it's it's bedtime for buddies. Buddies bedtime. <laughs> it's the most adorable thing. <laughs> Well, you can tell oh. me, you know, that that humbles Brian just a little bit, but that's in a good way. No, it's very he's cute. A, he's a and compassionate it was, guy. It was funny because he was doing it for a long time, and then, because um, we have to separate uh, some of the kids at night, and um, so he has to, he goes into the, his bedroom, and or Fester does, goes to into his, his room and sleeps, and so you have to, used to, you'd have to pick him up and carry him, but now he just walks in there on his own, but... He'd have to pick him up and carry him in there. So he would kind of sing to him to get him to go. And um, for the, he was doing it for a long time. And finally I was like, do you realize that is springtime for Hitler? <laughs> That's the tune. And I don't think it was on purpose. It just sort of happened. But I thought that was funny. Brian Lanza, fine land indeed. Uh, <laughs> Suzanne. <laughs> no, the Blazing Saddles music all the time. And X. I had the 45 of the song from High Anxiety when I was a kid, so <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but uh, Springtime for Hitler was the B-side, so I had them both. Loved it. 
Yeah, man, there's nothing like enhancing something you love, and this this guy uh, pulled it off so well. Like I said, I never knew these, these folks by name, and I hope you guys will, will look more into this stuff and to see, you know, yeah, these are the music makers, as as Willy Wonka said, that goes right to the, to the producers again, see Gene Wilder. But uh, there, there you go. <laughs> but um, Speaking of music makers, the last one I'm going to mention was, it was something from, from my, uh, my, 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 um, Early teenage years, I guess, kind of carried me into adulthood. Although, so I heard there were song "Dreams" one more time on the radio. I thought I was going to hang myself in the bathroom. Oh! But uh, Dolores O'Riordan, who was a songwriter, musician, and lead singer of the Cranberries, passed away. Um, did they say if it was drug related? I don't know because I know she was having um, some, some health problems. I think it was an overdose. Okay. That read something to that day or two ago. But uh, she was right in there in that, that, that sweet spot of these singers that I thought had a lovely voice. Didn't necessarily make a lot of music that I enjoyed, but I thought she had a lot to say, you know, and and again, beautiful voice. But um, they had a couple of hits across the board, but I think Dreams was probably their biggest hit. because No, I think it, it was Linger. But Dreams was everywhere. It was everywhere in, in pop culture. That's what drove me crazy about that song. I think it was in, like, 12 films in the 90s. And I think I just wanted to, like, really? Dreams again? Somebody's making some coin off this fucking song. But, uh... <laughs> I'll ask you, Suzanne, since you mentioned it first. Uh, what do you think about this situation? I'm really, really sad. I still have the CD I bought when I was 19 years old. Um, I still listen to it. Um, like I said, Linger is, like, my angry girl song. I am definitely. She will be missed. See, I was more of a letters to Cleo guy. You know, I, I like to be a lot more happy <laughs> about things, and we'll probably get more into that. We do Josie and the Pussycats eventually, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jamie. Well, what's interesting is when we heard about this news, um, we were watching YouTube, and it was an announce. One of the YouTubers we watched made the announcement, and. I was like, oh, so sad. And then Brian was like, I don't think I know any of their songs. And because he's really only ever listened to metal. Like it's he doesn't he hear he vaguely knows songs if they've been played in pop culture, because, you know, just at some point you're going to be exposed to them. But he doesn't have any like working knowledge of this era of music. So I'm like, no, you know them. You know them like you have to know them. But you, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing these songs, you know, dreams linger, which I would have pegged as probably the the more popular or zombie. Um, and I, I was like, you have to know these songs. So I pulled them up on YouTube and I started playing them. And immediately it took me back to my freshman year in college, which is, is when I bought the CD, I still have it. And we, this was basically part of the soundtrack for my college time. And this was like, we'd, a bunch of us would hang around in one of the dorm rooms and we played the shit out of that music. We played the, I mean, there were several, there were like a handful of CDs that we just played over and over and over again. And they always take me back. But when I pulled up those songs on YouTube, I was just like, oh my God. Like it was, I got sucked into a tunnel and spit back out. And it just it made me really sad, 
partly because I was sad that she that she was gone and that that is over. But it, partly part of it was really just nostalgia for my own youth and for that own for my own period of time. It just, um, yeah, it was, it was, I was like, yeah, I didn't expect it to hit me as hard as it did, but it, it did. And I was like, shit, I didn't even realize, like, I had no idea that they were is that that music was as impactful on me as it was at the time. But yeah, it's tied to a lot of memories. So it, um, yeah, it was rough. Uh, and he still didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, okay, maybe that one. I think it was dreams. And he's like, maybe that one. Now he's sensitive. He sings to the cats. Now, now we all know that. And I kind of love him more about you, you know? <laughs> I sing to my dog all the time, okay? There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. X. Well, you know, they had their big hit album. And that's when, of course, they got just overexposed. And then the next album came out that didn't do as well. And I was like, holy shit, I love this album. This is great. So, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, Dreams and Linger, they were both everywhere. But God, Salvation and Free to Decide were just fucking great songs. So, yeah, I liked them. Once I stopped, you know, confusing them with the Sundays, I was pretty good. But I didn't have that kind of connection with them that 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 Jamie does. No, fair enough. Yeah. I think my biggest connection to them is, uh, of course, the, 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 that that first album and uh, their connection to the to I think one of the greatest soundtracks of the nineteen nineties, uh, the Empire Records soundtrack. I, I think is one of the greatest soundtracks of the nineteen nineties, and they were in that thing too. And um, and yeah, it's it, she's she's a big loss to a lot of folks. You know, you, it, that I think that story was shared. <laughs> on my Facebook feed so many times in one day by, by so many people. And that, that gets that same, same draw that, that, you know, that you guys had, especially Jamie have the same feelings, you know, that they have, uh, about her that pretty much people who love their music, uh, did big loss to the, to the community. And uh, thing is, I didn't even know it, you know, like I had no idea. I was just like, Oh, uh, well, oh, that's sad. She's dead. And then it wasn't until I started listening to the music that, it hit me, so I didn't have a clue. You know, it was that was kind of weird. Well, when Petty died, I I, tr- I just turned on Wildflowers like like an hour after I found out, and I just found how beautiful that is. And I have more of a uh, kinship to Petty than any of these people, you know. And how perfect the album "Damn the Torpedoes" is, and yeah, <laughs> well, it's it, for me it was Prince and Bowie. You know, when I started listening to Bowie, I actually. This is the same thing with Prince. I watched these. Does anybody remember Night Flight? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, and I've watched like video profiles on both of them. And I just like the fact that Bowie just was unique. You know, no two things were the same and it was different. With Prince, I mean, I there are so many firsts in my life for me. You know, I, I had my first slow dance to Purple Rain. And I... But when I found out Prince died, of course, I go and pop in Purple Rain and I just start crying. Because mm. it just, like I said, it was just like a, a, a time capsule for me. I get that with Mazzy Star, you know. Oh, God, that sad. song. <laughs> I, mean, I purposely avoided Tom Petty music, Prince music. I did listen to some Bowie when he died, but I, I, I just, I 
stayed away because I knew it would upset me too much. That's why it totally shocked me that <laughs> that this did because I purposely went there and I'm like, oh, you know these songs and and um. But yeah, when like when Tom Petty, like people were playing, like posting videos and stuff all over Facebook, and I'd get tempted to click on some, but I couldn't because I knew it would just it would it would just be way too hard. I was just like no, no, I don't like being upset. I don't want to be upset. It's like I was easy to deal with, easier to deal with if I didn't listen. But if I ever listened to the music, I was gone. I was a goner. Oh man. But yeah, that that's uh that's about it for this Dutch segment. Uh, yeah, no, still, it's not. What do you got, brother? Uh, did we talk about Peter Wingard? Oh no, we didn't. Go go for it, man. Peter Wingard, Clytus from Flash Gordon, it was like ninety one, ninety two. Um, he passed away because he was ninety one or ninety two, <laughs> and he was also in a fantastic movie called Burn Witch Burn back in the 60s, which you uh-huh. have not seen that, check that shit out because that is great. Uh, did we talk about Eddie Clark? No, go for it, man. Eddie Clark, formerly of Motorhead and leader of the band Fastway. Yes, yes, yes. I forgot. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about him. Yeah, but they're big hits. Say what you will. So... And I was always really partial to the Trick or Treat soundtrack. Trick or Treat, there you go. Um, did we talk about Hugh Wilson? No, man, tell us about it. Hugh Wilson created WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, I forgot to mention him, yeah. And, and Police he, Academy. And Police Academy, and if I'm not mistaken, Rustler's Rhapsody. That's a film that may I have been somebody yet. else. No, that was him. That was him. Okay, okay. man. Tom Berger. There, there you go. Everybody knows that theme song. It's one uh, of my favorites. It, I, I, I love TV show theme songs, and that is one of my absolute favorites. I yeah. love it. We used to watch that religiously because, you know, we grew up in the, Cincinnati. Yeah, well, the, the greater <laughs> across the river. We were in northern Kentucky, but that's still the greater Cincinnati area. Uh, Erlanger. Okay. And um, my dad worked for a recording studio, and he knew all the DJs in Cincinnati. Oh, wow. He would just sit there and watch and go, ha, that's just like so-and-so, you know. (laughs) So he always... Were they based on real people? um, They were based on real archetypes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know if there were actual, like, Cincinnati DJs that they were, like, you know, sort of tongue-in-cheeky going after... We did have a lot of crazy guys, but we did have this one dude, and, you know, you change your name from market to market, but this guy's name was Mark Sebastian, and he used to be on a station, uh, Q102, and he got fired and kicked out of the market because he locked himself in the studio and played Billy Squire's Everybody Wants You for three days consecutively. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, hey, if you're going to go out, but, wow. That's, right? That's kind of, wow. Oh it was God. like he would just play it and play it, and then he'd, he'd still play commercials, but he'd come back on. He's like, I'm still here, and I'm still going to play this song again, and they're trying to get into the studio, but they can't because I got everything locked down. No. What was his <laughs> Here's Billy Squire again. <laughs> so, I mean, did he just lose his shit, or what was his motive? I I don't know what his his motive, according to him, on air was that he liked the song. 
Uh, well, all right. So go buy the record and play it at home all you want to. I don't understand. With him, you didn't have to. We come from the land of Steve Dahl, who is responsible for disco demolition, who thought it'd be a good idea to blow up records in the middle of Comiskey Park. And, you know, yeah, those hillbillies uh, said no. Just stupid. (laughs) Just Just a way to get attention and also a way to get fired. Yeah. Donnelly Rhodes. Rhodes passed away. Canadian actor, Canadian content. I always know him for being the guy who looked like Ben Gazzara. So he was like in the Neptune Factor and a bunch of TV cop shows. So he's gone too. I don't oh. had a fucking list this time. Oh, Listen yeah. to me go. Yeah, Hugh Wilson. There's even mentioned that he uh, he also directed Stroker Ace with Burt Reynolds and uh, two of my my favorite films from the 1990s, being uh, 1996's The First Wives Club and 1999's Blast from the Past. Which uh, I, I do enjoy both of those films, especially Blast from the Past, because I, uh, I always liked that. Alicia Silverstone back into back into play again, see, but uh, <laughs> full circle, full circle yeah, indeed. Never seen either of them. Oh, I, I always, I, I always love, liked Blast from the Past. I love those movies. It's good stuff. Oh my god! But um, up and down the dial. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, uh, X? Anybody else? Uh? That's that's it. I'm done being the uh, doomsayer. No, that's okay. Jamie singing. It's yes, okay. sorry. It's fine. As now it's all stuck in my head. <laughs> it's all stuck in the head. Yes, but um, yeah, that's uh the end of this pop this uh this pop stand this show, if you will, this build. <laughs> this, this pop stand. Let's We're blow this pop. podcast. Uh, X, X, I don't know if you want to make this announcement here, but X has uh, an announcement that I don't know what to make right now, but he made the announcement today on the interweb, so maybe like tell us all about it right here. Ah, uh, last show for me. I'm retiring. We what? are making some huge life changes that are going to make podcasting kind of an impossibility. You're for having a baby? Not having a baby. Um, but we are moving. And we are in the process of getting some land cleared for our own forever home. So we're going to have a house out in the woods where you can't find us. Just us and a dog and a shotgun. <coughs> burying, gold, burying gold in mason jars. <laughs> this isn't his last show, by the way. We still have 100 to put out. Still got the 100th episode, yeah. Poss- possibly so. one more if we could fit it in. But I'm not sure when this is going to end for X, but very soon. Um, when March first comes around, that's it. So this is February. This is the thirty-first. You got February to book me on a show if you want me, and that's going to be it. I'm going to miss kiss the goat. Me well, too. Thank you. thank you. And I'm going to miss you here. That, that makes me really sad. I'm sorry. It's going to be good. You have to change your plans. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just <laughs> tell you what. I will let you discuss that with my wife. <laughs> you know, can talk that. No, never know. mind. You're good. <laughs> I, I I tried to get Duncan, but Duncan, because I don't want to be the only swinging dick on this show, because that's why I brought Susanna on, because she's a friend, and you know it was a nice balance. But um, Duncan said that he really hates that bitch Jamie Sammons. He really hates her. I to death. don't doubt it. Yeah, she's a real it. uh real c word, if you will, you know, but not in a good way. Not oh, in the way they funky. use it. I was like, coming from the Scottish, that's not bad. <laughs> not in the good way, no. Yeah, the, the other way. <laughs> No, but Duncan said he has too many commitments, so I'm gonna try to to get some other swinging dick on the show that you guys may enjoy, and uh, not not replacing X, of course, because X will be uh, 
I think he'll rise like the mighty Phoenix once uh, they get on their feet again, and he'll be he'll be back with us, rocking and rolling or whatnot. You know, I like the fact that you have two women on this show who are opinionated and not meek and or mousy. Well, they got some sort of balls, X. You know, these ladies. Well, yeah. I don't think you need. I don't think you need another swinging dick. I think you need another uh, pair of tits on there. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, I don't know. I don't know enough of those that'll actually talk to me. So, depending on which guy, depending on which guy he brings on, we could. That's true. <laughs> I'm a really effeminate man. You know, let's go with that. I know a couple of those. There you go. <laughs> oh, but I think uh, who I have in mind, you guys will will, will enjoy. But t- tenderly miss X as you guys cry and masturbate in the corner, just thinking no, about I, it. You know, I really will. I'm. What cry masturbate according to think about X? <laughs> I do that this anyway. This is better but... than I could have asked for. <laughs> That's just a daily thing, but <laughs> <laughs> now it will be followed by some rocking back and forth. That's <laughs> Can't get clean. Forever dirty. <laughs> just sitting in a shower by yourself with the water running, you know. In the corner. Yes. But yeah, you will be missed. Ter- terribly, and uh, I'm probably like he's gone away already. We're gonna miss you, buddy, for sure, brother. Oh, oh, Why not too. Stan Lee? Why not Stan Lee? Indeed. <laughs> Do you have a podcast? <laughs> no, don't worry, it's coming. It's coming. He's gonna excelsior all over the fucking internet, and all the geeks go crazy. You know, it's gonna be called "I'm Not Dead Yet, Gary Hill." You fucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you love that recognition though? To say wish you death in the name of your podcast after you. You know, it'd be, it'd be awesome, you know. I feel so self-vilified. They say, yes, I wish you were dead. And now you recognize that, fucker, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. But, um, for now, I'm like, X pushes stuff. What do you got coming up, sir? You know what? Go to Legion Podcasts. All my shit's there. Kiss the Goat, The Food Chain, Theme Warriors, this show. So, right, all, all right there on Legion. Beyond that, just just Google my ass for Christ's sake. I'm on Amazon with books. I'm Google on Google it, you bastards. Google it, you bastards. Throw <laughs> that in your Google machine. Um, I got books. I got music. I got Facebook. I got Twitter. Uh, just spell my first name right. It's J E F F E R Y because we like putting extra syllables in things that don't need them. Is there going to be a final kiss the goat that we should know about, or is it there coming? is there is, but I'm still setting up the recording for that. But yes, there will be a final kiss the goat for now. Final episode, for now. it'll be episode fifty, and that will be our milestone. And, and yeah, that that will be coming probably towards the end of February, beginning of March. Do you plan on attempting to come back at any time, or not necessarily here, but to kiss the goat or anything, or are you just giving up podcasting forever? That's that remains to be seen. Okay, all right. So there is a possibility then. So you're saying there's a chance? (laughs) (laughs) You don't understand. I'm I'm not letting this go that easily. Yeah, just at at this point, I I I can't promise it, but I can't rule it out. Okay. Uh, I just needed some hope to hang on to. That's all. There you go. I'll give you a glimmer. (laughs) Give me a glimmer, man. I, I knew not Seagal. Seagal. Keenan Ivory Wayne's. Uh Jamie, what do you got coming up, yeah. girl? 
Well, we just released episode P of the ABCs of Hidden Horror, and that uh, that was a fun one where we talked about Penn and P2 and Pontypool, and uh, so yeah, check that out. But also on the horizon, we have a spinoff show that's going to be coming out under the ABCs feed called Attack of the Colossal Collection, and uh, that's basically my B-movie title spin on what we're doing as far as archiving our watch happenings, things that we're doing. Um, And when I mentioned that we're going through our entire collection, that's basically what we're doing. So this show is just a quick run through about an hour, an episode where we uh, talk about in that hour. We've done two, we've recorded two episodes so far. And I think in both of those, we covered about 15 movies um, just really quick, you know, this is what we watched, this is what we thought of it, move on to the next one. So um, if anyone wants to follow along with us and what we're watching, then that will be a way to do it. It'll just be coming out periodically. I think we're going to try to aim for maybe weekly once we get caught up because we're about a month behind because we just decided to do this. So um that is a that's a thing that's happening, and I teased about it last night. So I think the first episode should be coming out in the next couple of days, and um, that's pretty much it. I do have I was just invited to go on teapots for the final destination, um, the the Russian roulette uh, final destination. Um, what do you call that? We call it whatever. Russian call it. roulette. Yeah, retrospective. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Um, <laughs> so I was just invited to do that. We'll be making the drawing. That's when I'll find out what movie I am either blessed or saddled with. And really only one of them can you saddle me with. I, I overall enjoy that entire franchise, except for one. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And that's pretty much what I have going on right now, podcast-wise. Cool. Uh, Suzanne? Well, the NFW just released our best of 2017 with some honorable mentions and an epic rant from Willis. <laughs> yeah, I know what that's about. Um, and we just got Alligator, so that'll be a few weeks. But next week, I believe Humanoids of the Deep will be coming out. Okay. So check that out. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh... Sure, let's do right now. And the two drink minimum commentaries can both be found on legionpodcast.com. I'm actually going to release a two drink minimum commentaries right after we get off the phone here, off the, off the line, off the Skypes here. I think it's going to be the Versus episode, actually. And uh, with another one being released on Friday, probably Evil Speak. Uh, that, that We did that show a while back and oh, wow. yet, yet to be released, and it's going to be coming out very soon. It's a very fun one, if I remember correctly. And, um,. Um, yeah, that's a great show. I'm finally getting back on track with that. Record on Thursday nights with the with the ladies and the gents, whoever wants to join us. So you're born on a Thursday night, and you see me post up a movie. I think we're doing The Ultimate Warrior, starring Neil Brenner and Max von Sydow, Sydow, whatever you want to say his name, this Thursday night, as I'm going to record this episode, I mean, record, possibly release this episode tomorrow. We'll see what happens, if everything goes well. But, um... Yeah, record that next. So that should be coming out in your ears very, very soon. Um, Twitter at GW, 
Twitter at CineBeefCast. Um, Fleas and Flicks auction, I think it didn't go crazy well last time because I think a lot of folks didn't know the website worked and a lot of their extenuating circumstances, so we'll see how we're going to do. But I'm going to do one auction this year in the winter time, and that's that's going to be it. Just one auction to, to rule all auctions for the South Suburban Humane Society. <coughs> so look for that uh, item announcements and all that good stuff, because I get stuff throughout the year for it. And I'm hitting the C2E2 uh, and Heroes and Villains Fan Fest in a couple months. Was it going to go to uh, Heroes and Villains Fan Fest? But you know what? Somebody's going to show up that I'm pretty impressed with, so I'm, I'm going to hit that show post-haste. But um, this is where I'll leave it. Uh, next episode should be the 100th episode, which uh, a cast of, of 10, perhaps. I don't know. There's there's people coming on the show, and I, I'm really happy with it so far. So then I'll get all wrapped up in a bow and uh, put out to you guys' ears. And... Uh, Maybe the, maybe the last time you hear X, maybe not on the show, but uh, we wish him the best of luck in all of his endeavors, and we love him. We love him, we love him, we love him. Uh, but um, I'm going to leave it at that and say, Thank here, you. yeah, man, I love you as well, man. You lords of Salem loving some bitch, you know. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was here at the Cinebeef Podcast. If you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you guys next time.